welcome to New World Order Info, and I'm Melissa Roxanne, and you're listening to me on TheAmericanVoice.com. You can also go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and check out all the different ways to listen to AVR, and join us in the chat room. There's several people in there talking right now, typing away, so uh, don't be afraid. Lots of you listen, but you've never been to the chat room, so hey, there's no time like the present. And it's really simple to, you know, get in there, register and all that. You just pick a username, give your uh, email address, I believe, unless things have changed. Uh, And then just, you know, pick a password and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I don't know exactly, but, you know... It's changed a few times, but that's pretty much all there is to it. You might have to wait to get some kind of email. I don't know. But anyway, then you can just log in and be in the chat room. So, And, uh, you know, people are pretty friendly in there. And uh, uh, Frank's in there and uh, a lot of the regulars. So check that out. And then there's the news uh, feeds on the website that have been updated. There's the... Superstore, where you can find all kinds of great products uh, from AVR, and uh, there are just all kinds of things that you can see there. And uh, if you have any questions, you can always come to the chat room, and we'll try to help you out and answer those if we can. And so I'm going to go ahead and get to it. Um, thank you to the microbroadcasters, of course, and to all of you out there that support us in so many different ways. We appreciate that. So um, did you know that vitamin C, which I've been talking about, you know, for years, including a lot lately, I've been doing shows about it, can treat so many things. Um, For instance, here's here's just some of the things. You know, progress takes time. Fresh fruit was known to cause scurvy. That was way back in 1753. But the governments ignored the fact for nearly 100 years, of course, and countless thousands died in the meantime. And the 19th century doctor who first told everybody washing one's hands between patients died um, you know, like not washing the doctors that were treating patients and doing surgery and all these things and were not washing their hands caused patients to die, including, you know, child, people giving birth to babies. Um, you know, he was ignored and in disgrace with the, you know, medical killers, whatever you want to call them, genociders. And then... You know, toxic mercury, they put into vaccines, they put it into children's teeth, you know, the fillings in our teeth and and adults as well. They dumped the fluoride in the water, you know, the chlorine, all these things. Um, Roundup is in everything. Um, So, you know, it goes on and on and on, and all the other ways they're poisoning us. Um, But the first physician to aggressively use vitamin C to cure diseases was Frederick R. Klinner, M.D., and that was back in the early 40s, 1940s. And Dr. Klinner 
consistently, let's just say, I can't say the C word, but he got rid of chicken pox, measles, okay? Remember all this thing going on with Disney World and the measles and everything in the news about, oh, there's this big measles outbreak with 100 people or whatever that got the measles, 100 kids or whatever, and it's because of all these unvaccinated people. Well, Klenner already got rid of measles, um, gave it to his own, or his own child had it, I believe. I don't know. I don't think he gave it to her. But but he did, um, you know, give her vitamin C, and depending on how much he gave her and how often, or he held back and didn't give it to her and didn't give it to her often enough, the measles would kind of, the symptoms would come and go based on how much vitamin C the child got. So he got rid of the vitamin C, and he kept that going for a month in his own child to try to help the world, you know, to try to solve, okay, will it work for this? And it did. So that was another thing. So we don't, you know, there's no reason for that vaccine. Um, and and it's good to, you know, for those of us that were exposed to those children, um, you know, all those things you're exposed to help you in the future and help your immune system and all that. But anyway, if if one wanted to take vitamin C to get rid of these things, you know, that's that's all there is to it. Of course, always check with your doctor, have to say legally, your licensed medical practitioner. But, you know, if I were you, I would be studying up on vitamin C because all the things that I've done, all the things I've researched, yes, there's so many things out there that are so fantastic, but not everything works for everything, but, you know, some things seem, you know, to work for a lot of things, but I don't know, vitamin C to me is just something astounding, amazing, miraculous, even if these doctors that were big proponents of vitamin C or still are, they say it wasn't a miracle, it isn't a miracle or whatever, but it just works. Well, I think it is a miracle. And so, you know, it just seems to work for, I can't say 100% of the time, 100% of the people, 100% of the animals or whatever, but, you know, if I had to bet on something working, I would pretty much bet on vitamin C over most anything else. And um, so, you know, he got rid of Dr. Klinner, Dr. Frederick R. Klinner, medical doctor he was widely known for using vitamin c he basically used on all of his patients when they came in immediately they were given vitamin c before they were even you know telling the nurse and him what was wrong with them he automatically gave them vitamin c because he knew it worked for everything so um you know it worked for and he used it for things like chicken pox measles the mumps tetanus, polio. He healed polio way back in the day, and he tried to tell the doctors, uh, you know, how he did it exactly step-by-step step with the vitamin C, and, of course, they shut him out. They didn't want to hear it, you know. He presented it to a whole lot of them, and they keep all this out of the medical journals, and they demonize vitamin C because it does work for all these different things, and they don't want you to know about it. They want you to go to them instead of healing yourself with vitamin C, okay? Because vitamin C would, if everybody knew about it, would put them out of business. They wouldn't be able to afford those fancy cars and mistresses and, you know, 
second and third houses and all the vacations and, you know, all the big pharma, um, you know, bonuses and bribes and whatever they get for prescribing all these horribly toxic, dangerous, you know, murderous drugs. So they're not going to tell you about vitamin C. And a lot of them don't even know, you know, they haven't researched it or been taught that it really works, you know. They've been taught to demonize it, and plus they're threatened. They would lose their medical licenses and maybe be murdered, have to leave the country, and, you know, could no longer so-called practice medicine, practice being the operative word, because you are all the guinea pigs they're practicing on. And, hey, if you think they're so great, go and read pretty much any drug that's advertised on the Internet or on television, or in a magazine, or wherever it is, all of their drugs, go look at the list of side effects, possible side effects, or black box warnings, or adverse reactions, and those aren't even all of them. And a lot of times they keep those off the labels, and people die, you know, and they wait years to tell you these things that they already know when they put the drugs out there. So... Use those at your own risk. I don't recommend them, and I wouldn't use them, you know, for me or my loved ones or children or animals, etc. any living thing. So, um, but back to Klinner, he also used vitamin C um, for so many things, and vaccines are now available for those things that I talked about, you know, the chicken pox, measles, mumps, tetanus, polio. Uh, but this was not the case in the 1940s when when he was healing all these people that had all of these different things. So here are some more things that uh, Dr. Klinner successfully treated with vitamin C. Okay, there's a whole lot of them. For instance, pneumonia, encephalitis, Shingles, also known as herpes zoster, herpes simplex, which, you know, can be regular old cold sores, mononucleosis, the things that a lot of people think, you know, you get from kissing, uh, pancreatitis, hepatitis, you know, so many times you hear these things can't be cured, can't be gotten rid of, whatever. Um, and there's nothing you can do. The doctors always say there's nothing more we can do for you, or there is no cure. You know, there's they're they're only treating, um, you know, they're managing the disease and so-called treating the symptoms. But really, they're not managing the disease nor treating the symptoms. They're just drugging you or your children or your loved ones or your animals. And what they're giving you is just going to cause more destruction and more you know, ruining of your immune system and your body sees these things as poison, which they are, and toxic to your body. And, you know, it's going to ruin the immune system or your immune system is going to be fighting all these things that they put in you. I mean, they're made from petroleum, petrochemicals, petroleum byproducts a lot of the time. And other times, you know, the stuff in the vaccines is just pure poison, you know, grown in diseased organs of animals. Then you have the aborted, murdered baby fetal cells. 
in there. They're putting those in the food and beverages as well. It's just, it's an abomination. And they do it because of that, you know. It's like Satan's, you know, thing he, he just loves to do to us. And, you know, he wants to kill us, murder us every step of the way, make us sick. And his minions are are helping him out with us. And you might see them as somebody that's going to help you and make you well, but they're not. They're using all these poisons. And so there's things out there that are things that you, you know, are alternatives. And what I would use, you know, I, I don't go to those doctors. I don't go to the allopaths. And, you know, I don't want any part of those drugs. So I would rather learn how to heal my own self, you know, how to help my body heal itself. I do believe in the power of prayer and, you know, our Heavenly Father and His Son who died for our sins, Jesus Christ. But I also believe in, you know, hey, why put these poisons in your body? Why not do what I believe, you know, they would want us to do and the Holy Ghost wants us to do? Your body is a temple, so why don't you put those poisons in it, you know? that have killed so many, um, and so many in my own family and, and are, you know, right now doing so. Um, and I'm sure you can relate to the same and think of all the mistakes that they make. And so why not look at alternatives to that? Um, so getting back to the other things that Dr. Klenner successfully treated with vitamin C therapy, Things such as Rocky Mountain spotted fever from ticks, bladder infections, urinary tract infections, alcoholism, arthritis, some cancers, leukemia, atherosclerosis, hardening of the arteries, ruptured intervertebral disc, slit disc, high cholesterol, Although that's kind of a scam, you know, um, we need cholesterol and our brain's made up of, of that and we need enough fat, good fat, um, in order to be healthy and, you know, if your cholesterol's too low, you can die, you can have a stroke from that too. Um, so I don't believe in all that no fat, low fat nonsense. Um, it's just the right kinds of fats that we need and not the wrong kinds. The hydrogenated oils are really bad. Margarine's really bad. You know, um, the genetically modified stuff and soybean oil and all that stuff is total garbage. So, um, and then also he healed corneal ulcers, diabetes, glaucoma. All this was vitamin C. And we'll hear more after the break, so stick around, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back to hear more about vitamin C. I cry
vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific.
prices going up, homes being foreclosed, unemployment insurance running out, jobs leaving the country. Many people cannot afford to eat or keep a roof over their head. Too many can do neither. Messiah's Branch has a mission church in Wichita, Kansas that helps the victims of this banker's economy, the American people. Your neighbors, the mission is the last hope for so many Americans. We need your help to lift up the poorest of the poor. These are men, women, and children who once had homes, now in the street. They all need what you need. First aid, beds, food, clothing, and so on. You can send a monetary gift or a box of necessities to 230 West 4th Street, Florence, Kansas, 66851. Or donate online by going to Wichita Homeless. Or simply call 316-619-4886. Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free to air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75 centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541 541- 225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System.
Welcome back to New World Order Info. I'm Melissa Roxanne. It's my live show tonight on Monday, April 20th, 2015. And you're listening to me on TheAmericanVoice.com. You can also go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and check out all the different ways to listen to AVR. And uh, I was telling you about vitamin C and uh, the legendary... Dr. Frederick R. Klinner, M.D., who was a huge proponent, and he, you know, he loved vitamin C. He was a big um, proponent of vitamin C and wrote about it and used it on his patients and his, uh, you know, the medical profession. And so here are some more things. So I told you some of the things that he used vitamin C uh, successfully, he treated with vitamin C. And that those were, for instance, pneumonia, encephalitis, herpes zoster, also known as shingles, herpes simplex, mononucleosis, pancreatitis, hepatitis, Rocky Mountain spotted fever, bladder infection, urinary tract infections, alcoholism, arthritis, some cancers, leukemia, atherosclerosis or hardening of the arteries, ruptured invertebral disc or, you know, um, when you slip a disc in your back, etc. High cholesterol, corneal ulcer, diabetes, glaucoma, schizophrenia, burns and secondary infections, heat stroke, Radiation burns, 
heavy metal poisoning, like mercury, lead, venomous bites from insects and snakes, multiple sclerosis, chronic fatigue, complications of surgery, and the list goes on and on and on. And he healed animals that had uh, panleukopenia and or known as parvo in dogs and puppies or feline panleukopenia or feline distemper in cats and kittens, um, which, you know, in kittens alone has a 90% rate of death. Um, he healed that with vitamin C. And after giving it to them, uh, they can be better you know, like they didn't even have it in three days when it would kill them otherwise. So, and when you you know you go to the vet and take your animal, they're most likely, for very 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 few, are going to know anything about vitamin C or using it for that or any other purpose. Nor will they, um, and they will just do the standard giving them antibiotics and high and keeping them hydrated. And most of the time, it doesn't work. Although it may rarely work, you know. So. Um, these are just some of the things that Dr. Klinner was able to be successful with treating with vitamin C. So, you know, it seems like an impossible list of of things that were able to be treated, but, you know, you can either dismiss the subject or look into it, investigate it, you know, do the research on it and learn more about vitamin C. Uh, Dr. Klinner chose to research and and he ended up being able to save so many different, you know, people's lives and, and help so many from his research and from all that he learned and, and all that he wrote and, and told everyone about vitamin C. So think of how many lives he saved, much less just his own patients' lives, just by telling the truth about vitamin C, you know. He went against the the overlord in his medical profession and he was like a pioneer and went against them and he did the right thing and he saved so many lives because of it. So um, he wasn't scared to go up against against them. And so uh, the result was he used massive doses of vitamin C for over 40 years when he was, you know, in the medical profession and he wrote dozens of medical papers on the subject and there's a complete list of them um it's called the clinical guide to the use of vitamin c and that came out in 1988 and it was edited by lyndon h smith md and that's put out by life sciences press in tacoma washington 1988 it's called the Clinical Guide to the Use of Vitamin C. And that's all of Dr. Klinner's medical papers on the subject of healing with vitamin C. There's a complete list of them in that book. And it's difficult to ignore his success, but it has been done, you know, because how many of you out there have even heard of him, unless maybe you've heard it from me or... Um, you know, if you've maybe listened to AVR and heard his name or something, because, you know, other than that, you're you're not going to hear it. You're not going to hear it much anywhere on mainstream media or television or, you know, things like that. So 
you know, you're not going to be taught about him in school, um, most likely. So, you know, here's something he wrote, a quote from Dr. Klinner, big, huge vitamin C proponent and user um, and a healer with, you know, using vitamin C on his patients. He said, some physicians would stand by and see their patient die rather than use ascorbic acid, which is vitamin C, because in their finite minds, it exists only as a vitamin. And that is exactly the case of what happened with Alan Smith, remember? I mean, I'm not going to go through it all, but I've told you that story. And the man from New Zealand who had, you know, multiple things wrong with him. He was very close to death. They wanted to take him off life support, as doctors did. They said, there's nothing more we can do for you. Um, His family found out about vitamin C because his brother-in-law knew about it and, and, and told, you know, the other family about it. And then they gave him, finally talked the doctors into, after much debate about it and them refusing to do it, one of the doctors finally agreed to do it. You know, okay, well, let's try it. Uh, even though they said, you know, he's going to die, uh, there's nothing more we can do, let's just take him off life support, he's never going to get better, you know, they didn't even want to try it. So they finally convinced him, they gave him a little bit of vitamin C, he got better, um, and they were given a very small amount, and his body was only able to make use of a fifth of it because they gave it to him through an IV, and that's just the way it works when you get Vitamin C intravenously through an IV, your body can only use a fifth of what you get. So they gave him a small amount, and he did get better. And they lied when they realized, yeah, he did get better. They said it was because they turned him over on his stomach. He had pneumonia so bad in both his lungs, you couldn't even see them on an X-ray. Um, and they call that whited out or clouded out pneumonia. And then they said he had swine flu, H1N1. That was back in 2009 when that was the huge thing in the news and everybody was talking about it. They were trying to get everybody to get vaccinated for that and get your swine flu vaccine, your H1N1 vaccine. That was what that was all about. Um, You know, so and now they include in the regular flu vaccines, they put the H1N1, you know, they're treating you for that too. So you're getting that virus. Um, So anyway, you know, so he had that, they claimed anyway. Um, He was bleeding from, um, I don't know exactly, maybe his ears, nose or something, um, which is a sign of scurvy, by the way. It can be definitely a sign of scurvy when you're bleeding internally or externally. So he had that. Uh, I'm sure he had lots of other health problems, but the main ones they were talking about were the three, H1N1 or swine flu, um, and then the pneumonia in both his lungs, really, really bad. Um, And then they also later diagnosed him with cancer, hairy cell leukemia. So, you know, yet they didn't want to give him a vitamin. What was it going to hurt him? They said he was going to die. He would never get better. There was nothing they could do for him, and they wanted to take him off of life support and otherwise end his life, but they didn't want to give him a vitamin. I wonder why. I wonder why they didn't want to give him a a vitamin. You know, like, 
what's it going to hurt if he's already almost dead and going to die anyway, you know, because they're not doing anything for him and they want to take him off life support? Does that make any sense? So obviously they knew vitamin C was going to work and they withheld it, you know, on purpose. So finally they agreed to give him something got better. They lied and said it was because they turned him over on his stomach and it helped the fluid to drain out of his lungs. So they just coincidentally waited until they gave him the vitamin C to turn him on his stomach. See, they weren't even going to do that, even though they knew it would help him to get the fluid out of his lungs. So they, they didn't do that either until they gave him the vitamin C to use that as their excuse as to why he got better. So see the kind of little devious things they, they pull and, and do? Um, so then they refused to give him vitamin C because he did start getting better, even though they just gave him this little bit. And they were giving it to him intravenously. So they ended up moving him to a different hospital. The second hospital um, refused to give him any. And they even got an attorney, you know, I think to get him any vitamin C at the first hospital. They they get, they ended up giving him some crazy little tiny, like two milligrams or something. Whatever it was, it was a very small amount. You know, the attorney was able to get get him to be able to take, you know, to allow him to have. So, you know... Then the the second hospital, they wouldn't even let him have any. So, you know, his wife and his sons, they found out about this one kind of vitamin C, and it's very available to our bodies, much more so than the kind that's given intravenously. So they gave him that kind, and it's like a dollar per gram. And they gave him six of those a day. And it comes with, like, a gram of phospholipids as well. And it healed him of every bit of it. It healed him of the cancer, the H1N1. You know, that he was in a coma and everything earlier. They had put him in a coma, medically induced him into a coma. And they healed, you know, it healed the pneumonia. It, it stopped the bleeding and everything, you know, which is a sign of scurvy, I believe, and, and so does he and his family. The reason he had all those problems was because he was highly deficient in vitamin C. That was the root of all of those medical issues. So, you know, that led to all those other things that were wrong with him. So when he got enough vitamin C, all those things went away. They were healed. So, you know, if you think that that's just a fluke or something, you know, it has helped heal so many people and so many animals and saved so many lives. And you can read all about it, you know, if you do read just alone, Dr. Klinner alone, all the patients and, and successful uses he had with vitamin C. And then there's Dr. Robert Cathcart and Dr. Erwin Stone, Dr. Andrew Saul, you know, and Dr. Linus Pauling, um, so many different people that have used vitamin C successfully and are proponents of it and have studied and researched it and used it successfully on their patients and animals and veterinarians that have used it. And, you know, this is just a, a small portion, you know, because there's there's people out there like me, Frank, and others, you know, that know about vitamin C and we use it successfully to save, you know, our animals' lives and to help us and them when they become sick or injured. And so... You know, and there's people worldwide that do the same. So, you know, you know, it's not going to work like it should if 
everybody just listens to the RDA amounts, you know, that the government tells us we only need this little teeny tiny amount of vitamin C and anything above that could be so dangerous. So, you know, I would say investigate it yourself. Don't just take my word for it. Look into these people that I tell you about and, you know, I can give you lots of different sources to look for, but those names, especially like uh, Dr. Frederick Klinner, you could look up, MD, is a great one. Uh, Dr. Erwin Stone, and that's I-R-W-I-N-S-T-O-N-E. Frederick R. Klinner, MD. Dr. Andrew Saul, and that's S-A-U-L. And his website, doctoryourself.com, is a great site to learn about vitamin C. D-O-C-T-O-R-Y-O-U-R-S-E-L-S. Dot com, DrYourself.com, Dr. Andrew W. Saul, S-A-U-L. Uh, he's a big vitamin C proponent and talks about it, you know, writes about it a lot. And, uh, you know, Dr. Robert Cathcart, MD. So those are just a few. Then there's Linus Pauling, Dr. Linus Pauling, two-time Nobel Prize winner. He was, you know, a very legendary chemist and... So many different things, and a huge proponent of vitamin C. Um, and so I, I was reading some from one of his books on my last show, and I'll probably read some more tonight to you. But so you know, all these people, these very smart people that use vitamin C successfully, um, and so you could do the same, you know. Um, and so I would just recommend to look into it, to research it as much as possible, because yes. There's lots of other things that Frank and I use and that other people use successfully and that work, and, and I highly recommend, you know, learning about those two and stocking up on them. But, um, you know, this is just, to me, a mind-blowing thing, vitamin C, and a wonderful thing for one's health and, and to bulletproof one's immune system, and that is what we use. So, you know, that's that, among other things, we definitely use. Um, but this is something that's like a standby for everything. Um, so it is a blood thinner, so keep that in mind. And look into it, ask your doctor about it, your vet, etc. And we'll be right back with a whole other hour on the other side, so stick around.
shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. financial obligations or relationship problems have you feeling stressed out when life is too much to handle use apothecary herbs emotional stress formula feel calm and more in control with herbs especially combined to provide the organic nutrition your system needs to help you cope complete instructions for maximum benefit and a money-back guarantee you've waited long enough call apothecary herbs now toll free 866-229-3663 That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3Ws.thepowerherbs.com. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family.
Welcome back to New World Order Info, and I'm Melissa Roxanne. You're listening to me on TheAmericanVoice.com, and it is my live show tonight on Monday, April 20th, 2015, and you're listening to me on TheAmericanVoice.com. Okay, so you can go to the chat room. There's a few people in there. Frank's in there. Um, I'm talking about vitamin C tonight, and I gave you a somewhat long list, although there's many, many other things that vitamin C, you know, successfully heals and um, treats, um, everything from pneumonia, encephalitis, shingles, herpes simplex, mononucleosis. These are just some of the things that Dr. Frederick Klenner, MD, successfully treated with aggressive vitamin C therapy, pancreatitis, hepatitis, Rocky Mountain spotted fever, bladder infection, alcoholism, arthritis, some cancers, leukemia, hardening of the arteries, or atherosclerosis, uh, slip disc, ruptured invertebral disc, high cholesterol, corneal ulcers, diabetes, glaucoma, schizophrenia, burns, secondary infections from, you know, the burns, heat stroke, radiation burns, heavy metal poisoning with mercury and lead, venomous bites from insects and snakes, multiple multiple sclerosis, chronic fatigue, complications of surgery. So, like he said, Dr. Klinner wrote, some physicians would stand by and see their patient die rather than use ascorbic acid, also known as vitamin C, because in their finite minds, it exists only as a vitamin. So I told you how they they held the vitamin C back from treating the man in New Zealand, um, Alan Smith. You can go to YouTube, type in A-L-A-N-S-M-I-T-H, in quotes, vitamin C, and look for the... 17 and some odd seconds um, minute long video, 17 minutes and a few seconds. Um, And that is a 60 minutes television show that aired in New Zealand on television that told, you know, the truth about vitamin C and how it did save Alan Smith's life. And he and his family members do believe That is what saved his life. That is what his problem was. He was highly deficient in vitamin C. Um, I believe he had scurvy. Um, And so then when he got enough vitamin C, all of those health problems went away. He's in great health today, still uses vitamin C. He He only got six grams a day that his wife gave him herself in the hospital because neither hospital would give him enough. Um, but the vitamin C she gave him wasn't through a shot. It wasn't through um, an IV or anything, you know. It was just his wife gave him by mouth this vitamin C that is so able to be used by our bodies. It's called bioavailability, and it has such uh, bioavailability that it healed him. And he only got six grams. It cost around $6. I don't know what it cost in New Zealand, but in the United States, it would cost around $6 a day uh, for the amount he got that healed him. So, um, you know, for $6 a day when you're at death's door and, and all the doctors say there's nothing we can do for him, we need to take him off life support, he's going to die, he's never going to get better, 
Uh, yeah, six dollars a day saved his life. I guarantee you, his hospital bill was a heck of a lot more than six dollars a day. Okay, they charge like a hundred dollars for an aspirin, which can kill you, by the way. So, you know, believe it or not, it can, and it causes internal bleeding. Um, and that could be because it depletes vitamin C. A lot of drugs deplete vitamin C um, and other vitamins, you know. So, and it can cause ulcers, you know, aspirin, ordinary aspirin. So, gastrointestinal bleeding, all those things, and many others, they can kill you. And antibiotics can kill. Um, all the big pharma drugs and over-the-counter drugs can kill, you know, even if they're used in the right way. So. You know, they can make people go blind. They can cause all kinds of health problems. Um, vitamin C, they try to demonize it and act like it's, you know, oh, if you use this over this little tiny bit, then, you know, it can cause problems and it's dangerous. You know, here's the RDA. It's it's 60 milligrams or a little bit more. You know, it used to be 60 anyway. Um, they have raised it a little, you know, and depending on, if you're a male, female, elderly, a child, pregnant, or whatever, it varies, the RDA does, but it's so low, it's pathetic. And they do that for all the vitamins, you know, because they don't want us to be healthy. So they try to scare you into thinking, you know, if you take more than this little amount they tell you to take, that, you know, it's going to cause all these problems. But it's not true. Um, and it's remarkably safe, even in enormously high doses, and compared to commonly used prescription drugs and over-the-counter drugs, side effects are virtually non-existent using vitamin C. Um, now, you know, if you're on blood thinners, it is a blood thinner. So, and even no matter what, you know, you can talk to your doctor. You should ask your doctor about it, your licensed medical practitioner. But just know that most of them are not going to recommend it or you know, they're not going to know anything about it. They're not, they've not been taught about it in medical school. And if they have, they may learn, they may have learned that, hey, if I tell my patients about this, then they're not going to come to me anymore. You know, it's going to end my medical practice. They're not going to keep getting all these drugs that I push on them. They're just big drug pushers anyway that get paid off, you know. It's like they'll do anything for money. And they just do what they're told. They don't do what's right. They don't do what our Heavenly Father would want. They don't really try to heal anybody. I'm not saying all doctors because I'm sure there are some that do good, just like Dr. Klinner. You know, he was an MD. He healed so many people, and others have as well. But they're far and few between, you know, that are going to be honest, that are going to tell you the truth, that aren't going to just push some kind of drug, big pharma drug that they get, bribes and kickbacks and money and vacations and all kind of things to push and when the drugs you know have been patented and the patents are about to expire they try to get them to push these drugs even more so they can make as much money as they can before the patents expire they're putting people on drugs uh, like antipsychotics when the people are not psychotic should never be put on those you know and then think of all the drugs for antidepressant and anxiety and you know, even for smoking, they, they prescribe Chantix to veterans and, and to all kinds of people, and they end up being psychotic from it, okay, an anti-smoking drug. So all their drugs are dangerous. They're made from, like, highly toxic chemicals and, and petroleum byproducts and all these things that are poisons to our body. So you don't even know what's in these drugs, and you're taking them 
Would you do that with anything else? Would you just take some random something and not even know what the heck's in it? And then even knowing, you know, you can go and read the side effects and adverse reactions and how it's killed other people and, and, you know, children, and you're still, you know, just mindlessly lapping all this up and doing what the doctors, you know, prescribe without looking into any, you know, a lot of people just go take whatever their doctor says, go get it filled, take it. They don't even look up any of the side effects. It's crazy. Um, you know, I used to be one of those people. I used to just do what I was told, listen to authority figures, and, you know, I didn't know any better. And and most people are that way. You know, they just have been brainwashed into believing everything that those people in the white coats tell us. And, you know, the magazines and Big Pharma and the television commercials and the doctors and everybody else out there pushes the advertisements push, you know, and what other people are doing and, you know, go get your antibiotics for every single time you get sick. Um, but there's another way, you know, and I don't go to doctors. Um, I haven't gone for years and I've, you know, try to study and learn and research all I can about health and remedies and there is another way versus doing those things that, you know, you've just been brainwashed to do, you know. Um, So there is another way, and I hope you'll look into it and learn all you can about all these other ways, you know, including vitamin C because that is one of the best things, I think, in the world um, for treating any kind of health issue. Okay, I'm not going to say it's for every single person, every single time, and every single malady or anything because, you know, maybe... It, there could be in, indications when you shouldn't use it or maybe you're on a blood thinner or something like that or whatever. So talk to your doctor, look into it, do the research. But for me, um, for Frank, you know, for our animals, we definitely use it. Um, it doesn't scare us or anything. And, you know, they try to demonize it in certain ways, you know, because Big Pharma doesn't want anybody to know the truth. Um, so a lot of the sites out there... Um, or doctors and people like that, or paid shills for doctors and big pharma and, and corporations putting in the drugs out, etc. They may lie, and they do lie, about vitamin C and other things, you know, that can help and heal, and a lot of other things that heal. And they'll say, oh, that's just an old wives' tale or whatever, you know, for some kind of herb or whatever it is that works, you know. They don't want you to know the truth. Um, I know one time... A pharmacist was telling me, you know, if if you've had a stroke, you know, it would probably be a good idea to take aspirin. And I said, well, uh, garlic is a blood thinner, you know, meaning that that's an alternative to aspirin. And the, the pharmacist, of course, said, oh, that's an old wives' tale. I don't believe in any of that herb nonsense, you know. So this is what the doctors have and the pharmacists have been brainwashed to believe and or threatened oh, no, you know, you can't ever tell them about these things because it'll put us all out of business, you'll lose your license, you know, you'll get locked up, you'll be harassed, you'll be maybe murdered, you know, put out of business. You can't practice in this state or other states or you have to leave the country, you know, on and on it goes. So, you know, look into it and and if you see things written that demonize these people I've mentioned, then most likely it's somebody that is lying or is brainwashed to believe, you know, vitamin C is not good and all the big pharma junk is or all the allopathic medicine is. So keep that in mind, okay? 
Um, and another thing, for instance, they demonize it. They'll say things like, you know, it causes kidney stones, you know, like in, in high amounts or something. So it does not cause kidney stones. In fact, vitamin C increases urine flow and favorably lowers the body's pH to help keep stones from forming. And William J. McCormick, M.D., used vitamin C since the late 1940s to prevent and treat kidney stones. Vitamin C does not significantly raise oxalate levels, and uric acid stones have never resulted from its use either. And Dr. Klinner said, the ascorbic acid kidney stone story is a myth, okay? So how much vitamin C is an effective therapeutic dose? Dr. Klinner gave up to 30 grams per day, 30,000 milligrams, because there's 1,000 milligrams per gram of vitamin C. Generally, he gave 350 to 700 milligrams per kilogram body weight per day, and a kilogram is approximately 2.2 pounds. So, um, you know, 350 to 700 milligrams per kilogram body weight. So that's per 2.2 pounds, okay? So 350 to 700 milligrams per 2.2 pounds of body weight per day. Yet the RDA is like 100 milligrams or less. He gave 350 to 700 milligrams per 2.2 pounds per day, if that tells you anything. So that's a lot of vitamin C. And, you know, I say he gave up to 30 milligrams a day. Well... Um, I know Dr. Levy, Dr. Thomas Levy, another vitamin C expert and proponent, and he had his own vitamin C, you know, clinic where he used vitamin C on his patients. Um, now he travels around the world teaching about vitamin C and other things to do with health. And his site is peakenergy.com, peak, P-E-A-K, E-N-E-R-G-Y.com. Uh, Dr. Thomas Levy. And he's got a lot of videos on YouTube and some on the site. You know, you can watch too. You can type in vitamin C, Dr. Thomas Levy, for instance, or Tom Levy, MD. Um, you know, he he's used, I think, up to like 300 grams a day through IV. Okay. So IV, one's going to need more because, remember, only a fifth of it is available to our bodies. Um, so anyway... It depends on what manner the vitamin C is taken as to how much, you know, can be used and needs to be used and all that. But, you know, it's good to learn, you know, how much is needed and about bowel tolerance and how often to take it, how many times a day. And it varies depending on many factors. Okay, there's no set standard um, amount. It, it depends on every individual and what's wrong with them, and, and, you know, lots of different things, whether they're a smoker, whether they drink alcohol, whether they're an alcoholic, or they smoke, you know, a pack or a whole bunch of cigarettes or more than that a day, or they don't smoke, um, whether they're under a lot of stress and who isn't, right? Um, whether they're on birth control pills or pharmaceutical or over-the-counter drugs, those things deplete vitamin C. All these things I'm mentioning do um, and can cause one to need more vitamin C. Um, if one is injured, you know, that's going to cause one to need more vitamin C. If they're sick, the same thing. Under stress, the same thing. 
Um, and so if you have a lot of these factors, then that's more vitamin C that the body needs. Um, so those are just some of the things, and it, it varies, you know, how much vitamin C everybody needs. And it's not like, okay, this person, depending on all these things, needs this much vitamin C a day. It changes on a daily basis. Another thing, sugar, um, sugary substances and carbohydrates um, can you know, like if one takes vitamin C and then they go in and drink something with sugar in it, like all these sugary soft drinks or whatever, or they make some kind of drink and they put sugar in it, or they eat some kind of a food that's sugary or dessert or carbohydrates, you know, like starchy stuff that turns into sugar in the body. Okay, those things cause the body to get less vitamin C, and if you've just taken it or something, then, you know, the vitamin C you've taken, you're not going to get as much of it. Your body can't use as much because the sugar depletes vitamin C. Um, so there's lots of different factors. And so these are things, you know, to be aware of and to look into, to research. Um, those names I gave you are good names to look up, you know, anything by Linus Pauling, Ph.D., uh, the brilliant chemist that wrote a lot about vitamin C. He wrote How to Live Longer and Feel Better, which I have right here in my hand. That's a great book, you know, that I highly recommend. You can get about vitamin C to learn more about it. There's The Healing Factor, Vitamin C Against Disease by Erwin Stone. Um, that came out in 1972. So that's um, by Erwin Stone. Those are just a couple. So we'll be right back and hear a lot more on the other side. Don't go anywhere.
countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. Don't you cry Wipe away the tears 
child Wide awake, you face the day Your dream is over Or has it just begun? Yeah.
right, welcome back to New World Order Info, and it's my live show tonight on Monday, April 20th, 2015, it's the last part of my live show. I'm Melissa Roxanne, and you're listening to me on TheAmericanVoice.com. You can also go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com. So I was telling you about vitamin C again tonight, and some good books that you know, we're good to learn a lot more about vitamin C. Or here's a few. Uh, How to Live Longer and Feel Better by Linus Pauling, Ph.D. That came out in 1986. So I do have that one. And highly recommend that. And then there's uh, The Healing Factor, Vitamin C Against Disease by Erwin Stone. That's fantastic. It came out in 1972. Uh, the Healing Factor, Vitamin C Against Disease by Erwin Stone. Then there is the Vitamin C Connection by Emmanuel Cheriskin, MD. Uh, that came out in 1983. So that's a good one, the Vitamin C Connection by Emmanuel Cheriskin. And another good one that I mentioned uh, that has Dr. Klenner's papers, all of his papers, um, is the clinical, actually it's just Clinical Guide to the Use of Vitamin C by Lyndon H. Smith, M.D. So those are some good ones um, that you may want to check out. Clinical Guide to the Use of Vitamin C by Lyndon H. Smith. And so now uh, I'm going to give you some more info, a little bit about fluoride and some other stuff, myths on vitamins in the remaining time. So um, you know, here's one. Um, well, natural healing is about curing the real diseases. It's not primarily about prevention, uh, nor is it reducible to a few cute platitudes about low-fat diets. One bold example, at Johns Hopkins, 281 HIV-positive men were studied for six years. One half received vitamin supplements, the other half didn't. There were only one half as many full-blown cases, AIDS cases in the vitamin group as in the no vitamin supplement group. So there were only one half as many. If this were a new drug that reduced new AIDS cases by half, it would have been front page news. And even on, you know, all the channels, they might have interrupted you know, the most popular shows to announce it. So this study was released December 23, 1993. I bet that you've never seen one TV, newspaper, journal, or classroom mention of this. Okay. And the medical doctors and registered dietitians are still in a snit over what they think is a controversy as to whether vitamin C stops the common cold Vitamin antivirals are good news for America and the world. Why are we yet to hear of them? Over 60,000 Americans, and this is old statistics, okay, each year die just from pneumonia and the flu. That doesn't mean run out and get all the vaccines against pneumonia and the flu that they push on you, that you can go get in your grocery store and Walmart and Go through your drive-thru at the VA to get, you know, which is highly dangerous, by the way, you know, just the vaccines alone, not to mention getting them through a drive-thru, should never be permitted. But, you know, way back when this statistic was written, 
uh, at that time, over 60,000 Americans each year die, you know, died just from pneumonia and the flu. That's more Americans in one year than were killed by 10 years of the Vietnam War. But there's no memorial to them. They're just as dead, though, right? So here is um, some here are some myths about vitamins. Here's myth number one, and this is from Dr. Andrew W. Saul at DrYourself.com. I love his site. I've used it for years. I highly recommend it. Vitamins are a promising area in healthcare, but more research is needed before they can be used therapeutically. Myth number one. That's a myth right there. Okay, so that is nonsense. By 1953. There were literally thousands of studies compiled in one textbook textbook alone. The Vitamins in Medicine was the name of that. That's the textbook, The Vitamins in Medicine by Bicknell and Prescott. There are protocols for the work is already done, but the word has yet to get out. Want to believe this but can't? It's not a matter of belief. Vitamin therapy is a matter of, of observed fact. There is no longer any doubt that 60 years, and it's been even longer now, of vitamin research has demonstrated this to any medical physician who reads his or her own journals. They don't, of course, read them. After you listen to enough detail, uh, men from the pharmaceutical companies and read dietitians drivel in the newspapers or nutrition text, you'll see why. And Dr. Saul says, I know, I've taught thousands of students and doctors who immediately see the value of supplements as primary therapy, meaning vitamin supplements. Try it and see for yourself. Results are what matter, and vitamins get them. The medical doctors and food groups, dietitians, will see the light eventually, but can your family afford to wait? And then he goes on to say, must read book of the month is Clinical Guide to the Use of Vitamin C, which I mentioned earlier, edited by Lyndon Smith, MD. You may remember him as the children's doctor from the Today Show. Believe it or not, you know, some people on TV actually do tell the truth, you know, write books that are good, like that one. Um, You know, most of them don't. Most of them are chills, but they have to say some truth because if not, you know, you're not going to believe anything they say, but apparently, you know, this book was a good one. So here is a summary. That's the one that had Dr. Klinner's, you know, medical papers. It, it's a summary of over 20 medical papers, and they are not just on vitamin C. By Frederick Robert Klinner, MD, and only 65 pages for around 10 bucks, maybe more, maybe less, depending on where you get it. And Dr. Klinner practiced aggressive megavitamin therapy for nearly 40 years and his detailed protocols including his astonishing five-page long multiple sclerosis treatment plan are in this little essential book and that's put out by Life Sciences Press Tacoma, Washington and he points out he does not sell the book neither do I but ask for it at your bookstore or obtain a copy to read through interlibrary loan at your public library. It's called, again, um, Clinical Guide to the Use of Vitamin C. And it's papers, over 20 medical papers by Robert, Fred, I'm sorry, Frederick, Robert Klinner, MD, Dr. Fred Klinner. Um, and it's edited by Lyndon Smith, MD. Okay. And then here's more myths about vitamins. 
more myths about vitamins. Vitamins in mega doses are dangerous. They are? Then where are the bodies? Okay, these are old statistics. They vary on when, but I'll tell you when I know. Annual deaths resulting from certain behaviors, smoking, 420,000 deaths per year. That's a reference from the U.S. Public Health Service, Surgeon General's Office. There's no date. I'm sure it's way higher than that now. So that's almost half a million deaths per year from smoking. Uh, drugs administered in a hospital, 130,000 deaths per year, and that was a statistic way back from 1990, so you know it's higher now. But that was 130,000 deaths per year from drugs administered in a hospital. And that's what they tell us. You know, I'm sure it's higher than what they really say. Um, and that's from Johns Hopkins Medical Letter, Health After 50, March 1990. Risk of fatal drug reactions in a hospital is 0.44%. Um, Ralph Nader's Public Citizen Organization puts the number of doctor-caused deaths closer to 300,000 annually, and I'm sure that's an old statistic, too. I'm sure it's way higher than what we're being told. Um, and then hip fractures, 63,000 deaths per year from hip fractures, and that's from Chemical and Engineering News, July 30th, 1990. So that's, you know, a lower number than now, I'm sure. And, hey, fluoride causes bones to be brittle, and when people fall, like elderly people, people with osteoporosis, people that, you know, have been exposed to fluoride for years or high high amounts of it, et cetera, in many different ways, and they're not even aware of it, causes the bones to be brittle and all kind of problems with their bones and teeth and other things, you know. Um, it can be a factor in hypothyroidism, it can be a factor in attention deficit hyperactivity disorder or ADD, um, and and they call it that, but I just believe it's that is fluoride poisoning. You know, that's just the name they gave it. But really, I believe one of the causes of that is fluoride poisoning. You know, or fluoride you know exposure, and swimming in pools. Think of how many uh, times you've done that, and kids do that, and they're subjected to chlorine and fluoride right there. And they're both, you know, really bad for us and cause cancer, among many other diseases. Okay. Then there is uh, routine childhood vaccinations, 485 deaths per year there. And that was from back in uh, 1994, U.S. Food and Drug Administration, National Vaccine Information Center, and the Rochester, New York, Democrat and Chronicle, March 3rd, 1994. During the 39 months between July 1990 and November 1993, 1,576 children died from adverse reactions to common vaccines. That's 39 months. 1,576 children died from adverse reactions to common vaccines. And that was between July 1990 and November 1993. Then there's food poisoning, primarily from meats and seafood. There's 10,000 deaths per year. And that was an old statistic from Center for Science and the Public Interest from February 1994. And then there's shark attacks under 15 deaths per year worldwide. Um, and that is, uh, I'm sure, an old statistic. Um, apparently from... I'm not sure exactly. It may have been 1992. And then how many deaths 
per year from vitamin supplements. Zero. So that is from the Townsend Letter for Doctors, April 1992. And the Drug Abuse Warning Network Statistical Series 1, number 9, Annual Data, 1989. So zero deaths per year from vitamin supplements. So, you know, don't believe the fear-mongering that the shills and Big Pharma and the doctors who are murdering and killing people left and right, you know, put out there and all the websites that have other agendas, you know, they're working for Big Pharma, they're working for the doctors, they're working for these big corporations selling all these drugs. So, you know, you can't believe everything you read. you got to read the right things that tell the truth. You know, it's just like TV. You know, are you going to believe everything you see on television? Most of it is a bunch of lies. You're rarely going to come across the truth. So... The Internet's the same way, and books and everything is the same way. And people have agendas, so companies, corporations have agendas. You have to realize all this and not believe, you know, when they're demonizing the vitamins, vitamin C, and things like that. At least that's what I believe after all the research I've done and, and all these experts believe, and they've seen the results, you know. They've used them on their own patients, their own families, themselves. I've used them. Frank used them. So, um so over 20 years ago, Lancet ran a study demonstrating that vitamin C and most of the B complex, especially B6, pyridoxine, are knocked out of a woman's body by oral contraceptives. So see, like I told you, um, the oral contraceptives, the pill, um, things like that, birth control pills, they deplete vitamin C and most of the B complex, especially vi- vitamin six vitamins. Water-soluble vitamin deficiency is associated with stroke, and women on the pill are three to five times as likely at any age to have a stroke. And they put kids on birth control pills nowadays. They put teenagers, 15-year-olds. Okay, I've seen it done. Okay, I know people that they've done that too. When is the last time you knew of any physician prescribing nutritional supplements along with the pill. For instance, I knew somebody, they had, uh, they were on Zoloft, this, you know, anti-anxiety, antidepressant, whatever, big pharma drug, and they had bleeding, uh, they started bleeding, uh, you know, having a severe bleeding problem. So they went to the emergency room, and this was a teenager, like 15 years old, and their solution put her on the pill to stop the bleeding, Okay. And she was already on Zoloft, highly toxic, dangerous drug, and then they put her on the pill, which causes strokes and all kinds of other health problems. So this is the kind of thing they do. So, you know, I, I would recommend those books like I told you, so many of them out there on vitamin C and so much good information. I'm going to keep covering it. So listen to my next show and you'll hear a lot more. And I'm going to keep on telling you more about vitamin C. Um, and you'll find a lot of good stuff at DrYourself.com, Dr. Andrew W. Saul, like I said, is a great website to check out, PeakEnergy.com, Dr. Thomas Levy and his books and videos that you can go to YouTube and watch. You can look up um, Alan Smith, Vitamin C, and read about him and watch videos um, where he goes around the country talking to people about vitamin C and how it saved his life. You know, the man in New Zealand that I told you about had so many things wrong with him. They wanted to pull the plug, take him off life support, but six grams of vitamin C saved his life and healed him of so many different things, including cancer and pneumonia. 
extremely serious case of pneumonia and H1N1. Um, so, you know, those are just a few things you can look into, and I'll be telling you a whole lot more. So be sure and listen to my future shows on that, and I'm going to be giving you more information, lots more about vitamin C and all kinds of wonderful things that it has done and can do. Um, and I highly recommend doing the research. Always check with your doctor, you know, your doctors, but do the research because they don't know everything. They spend a lot of times five minutes with you or each patient they see, and you're just shoved in and shoved out the door like you're on some conveyor belt or something, you know. Round and round it goes, and where it stops, nobody knows. They make all that money, but do they really care about you and your loved ones? They may pretend to or act like they do, but, you know, are they telling you about vitamin C and the truth about it, or are they pushing those big pharma drugs on you that can kill you and your loved ones? And the same for your animals, you know? So, um, anyway... You know, study about vitamin C and learn all you can. That's what I recommend. And stock up on it and all the other things that you hear me talk about. And uh, you hear about on AVR, the organic sulfur we have available. You hear about that on the Sulfur Hour on Thursdays from 6 to 8 p.m. Pacific time. So, you know, check out that show and all the other good health shows on AVR. And Wendy's um, Herbs, you know, she has all kind of great herbs and formulas available. So check it all out. Coming up next is the owner of AVR for two hours straight, Frank Stephan. So stick around for that live. And thank you for listening. Have a wonderful night.
Can your family survive a food shortage lasting two weeks, six months, or maybe longer? Sound far-fetched? We live in precarious times. There is an ever-increasing possibility of food shortages caused by terrorist attacks, natural disasters, truck strikes, or monetary collapse. You owe it to yourself and family to prepare, and you can by getting a supply of our long-storing, freeze-dried, and dehydrated foods. Our foods are time-tested to store for decades, require a minimum of time and energy to prepare while maintaining superior nutritional value, freshness, and taste. Our foods were designed for the space program and are in constant use today by our own nuclear submarine service. Contact the Freeze Dry Guy today at freezedryguy at landset.com. That's freezedryguy at l-a-n-s-e-t.com or call 530-265-8333. 530-265-8333. And let them know you heard it on American Boys Radio. What makes deep sea salt from France so different? Up from the ocean depths in the south of France flow undersea rivers of pristine sea water. At high tide, the prepared salt ponds are filled with this water. Over spring and summer, processed only by ocean breezes and sunshine, the brine thickens and salt crystals float to the top. These are harvested with nets and deposited on wooden drainage flats to dry. The salt is then gathered up, packaged, and shipped around the world. This salt is much more than a box of lifeless sodium chloride. Soldiers worth their salt were once paid with this valuable commodity. It contains 78 to 84 balancing elements. This is living salt, and once you have tasted it, you will never go back to anything else. I've seen this salt in gourmet shops for $30 a pound. Get it now at 4spectrum.us for under $8 a pound. Order 10 pounds and enter the coupon code AVRSALT at checkout and save $20. Ships free to your door or call 800-581-8906. Order today. Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for one of four. $49.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the thing and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System.
flower field all day long. I can catch catfish from dusk till dawn. Our own whiskey and our own smoke too Ain't too many things these old boys can't do We grow good old tomatoes and homemade wine And country boy can survive Country folks can survive Because you can't starve a doubt And you can't make a run Those women old boys Virginia coal mines and the Rocky Mountains and the Western Sky. And we can skin a buck, we can run a trot line, and a country boy can survive. Country folks can survive. I had a good friend in New York City. He never called me by my name, just Hillbilly. My grandpa taught me how to live off the land, and he taught him to be a businessman. He used to send me pictures of the Broadway night, and I'd send him some homemade wine. A man with a switchblade knife For forty-three dollars My friend lost his life I'd love to spit some beach nuts In that dude's eyes And shoot him with my old forty-five Cause a country boy can survive Country folks can survive California and South Alabama and little towns all around this land. We can skin a buck and run a truck line and a country boy can survive. Country folks can survive. Country boy can survive. Country folks That's right. Country folks can survive. This is Survival Time. This is American Voice Radio, AmericanVoiceRadio.com. And I am your host, Richard McGregor. It is the 5th of May. Seco, Seco de Mayo. <laughs> A holiday that has no importance in Mexico, yet our our little grubby little money, money changers run and flock to it and push it and push it and push it as though it was the greatest thing since sliced bread. Well, at any rate, aside from that, how are you all doing this evening? I, right now, 
am in the throes of looking for, I do not have, I have misplaced piece of paper, folks. Sorry about that. All right. Well, I'll say the mantra, beans, rice, and bullets. Beans, rice, and bullets. Be sure to have plenty of beans, rice, and bullets. Everything else will fall in place. If you've got yourself covered, if you've got your food, you've got your ammunition, then you can work on the details. Time, time is is a, is a not on our side. For those of you who are not aware, the United Nations just recently has put forth, I think it was today, a proposal to impose price controls on the barrel of an oil in effort to supposedly curb inflation worldwide. For those of you who are students of history, go back to the Nixon administration in the 70s or go back to the Franklin Delano Roosevelt administration in the 30s, and look what price controls did for them. That did not work. It does not work. They slaughtered hundreds of thousands of piglets and poured millions of gallons of milk and destroyed tons of butter back in the 30s. Black market during the Nixon's little price freeze thing was just horrendous. And shortly after that, when we got uh, after Ford's debacle of trying to carry on some of the principles, we wound up with Carter and double-digit inflation, interest rates, and for the first time, fuel prices doubled. I mean, they doubled. And people, you know, think, oh, well, it was only 78, 79 cents, 80 cents a gallon. It was 35 cents before all that happened. So it doubled. So those of you today are looking at $4 and $4.50 a gallon gasoline, up a dollar, a dollar and a half from a year ago, that didn't double. But they're trying. They're trying. There are other reasons. There are other reasons. The financial, the fiscal policies that are out there now are not there for our benefit. They're there. They're running the price of gold up and silver to suck in as much paper currency as they can get their paws on. When they feel they've gotten as much paper back in from all the sources, and they're not necessarily after Americans' paper, they're after that Chinese paper. You go back to 1979-1980 when gold shot up to $826 an ounce. And then on one day, they pulled the rug out, and it shot, dropped to $177 an ounce. What were they doing then? They had the oil had gone up because of the alleged shortages, which we now know there was never a shortage. It was manipulated. So now the oil guys in the Middle East, even though that you know they knew it was a scam, they were taking quite advantage of it. They were willing to take and get their margins on those barrels of oil and get the increased money. And they started getting lots and lots and lots of U.S. paper. Well, they realized that, you know, you can only do so much with paper, so they wanted to be, you know, they've always believed everywhere else in the world knows that gold is your safe harbinger. <coughs> and that's where you keep your keep your wealth. And they got motivated and encouraged a little bit, so they went out and started buying, and all of a sudden, 
got a little poke here and a little poke there, and the gold got ran up. And then the panic ensued. Oh, I better get some before it goes. Man, oh my God, look at it. It's 400 an ounce. Next day, oh, my God, it's four and a quarter an ounce. Six months later, oh, my gosh, it's 800 an ounce. We better buy, 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 buy. And there was tons of people that got in at the 800-plus range. Lots of people. When they felt they had saturated the market, when they got all the disposable income that they felt they were going to get, they pulled the rug out. And they crashed the gold. And all these people who had taken all that paper they had gotten, and most of them, so don't, don't lose too much sleep for some of those folks. Most of those people got it on inflated goods and services and money anyway. Their wealth that they had to spend on the gold was artificial and a manipulation on the circum- circumstances in the system. As it went up, they panicked, they jumped in, they jumped in way too late, and then as it collapsed, they got left without a parachute. Well, they had a parachute, just happened to be made of gold, and it crashed big time, and it took 30 years almost for gold to get back over 826 an ounce. Now, it's going nuts. And it, it, it can still go up. I have no doubt. I, I, I see 2,500, maybe even 3,000 an ounce. But, you know, there's going to come a time when all of these, when you, every time, you, every day you hear Mexico buys, uh, you know, four metric tons of gold. China buys another 100 metric tons of gold. Can you eat gold? How many, how, many, how many gold rings can you wear on your finger? How many gold chains can you carry around your neck? Reality, folks, how many gold uh, dinnerware forks and knives do you need to eat? See, so gold does have some value. It, it's pretty, and it's durable, and it's got, it's got more uses electronically and, and componentry-wise, but there are substitutes that work just as well. Just, you know, work fine. Maybe not as well, but work fine. We'll, we'll still work. And it's nice to give a gold ring to your wife when you get married, but not necessary. You know, back in the Scottish Highland days, they'd give a little piece of cloth. A man would give a more masculine, rough, coarse cloth to the wife, and the wife would give something frilly and dainty that she had, uh, you know, hand-sewn to the husband. And that was their pledges to each other. They didn't have the money to give each other a gold ring. That's the jewelers who come up with that concept of jewelry, you know, another way to make money, another way to be a money changer in the temple, to dole out, to control people, to work on your emotion. Well, if you don't give flowers on Mother's Day, well, then you're horrible. Who invented Mother's Day? Hallmark. They wanted to sell cards. Every day should be Mother's Day. Every day should be Father's Day. Okay, I'm not harping that you shouldn't take and go ahead and recognize Mother on, on, on Sunday with a little bit of special speciality, but teach your children that it ain't that special. 
teach your children that they should treat their mother with respect and dignity and, and purpose and, and kindness every day of the year. You know, if we're going to survive, and that this show, Survival Time, is not just about beans, bullets, rice, rifles, binoculars, compasses, and clothes. It's about the little gray couple of pounds between your temples and what's in there and what controls your spiritual man, your heart, not the physical pump, what we refer to as having a heart. And I'm going to tell you, can't eat gold. You cannot eat gold. And if it gets really, really, really bad, your gold coming up to me will mean nothing to me for any of my beans, rice, or bullets. It will absolutely mean nothing to me. Now, on the other hand, if I'm short some 270, and you've got a couple extra boxes of 270 because you were smart and bought some, that's caliber for those of you who don't know. It's a hunting round. And you you have a few extra boxes of that, and you want to come up and do some horse trading for some bullets, I mean, for some beans or some rice, or a you know, pair of Carhartt pants that I got extra, then, then we'll talk. We'll talk, Turkey. We'll negotiate. We'll wheel and we'll deal. My jar of preserves with my Tatler reusable canning lid on it, reusablecanninglid.com, will be worth more to you than, than 10 ounces of gold. Now, wouldn't you rather have all of that, you know? Now, I've said this before, okay? You don't, you don't buy gold as an investment, period. You do not buy silver as an investment. You buy it as a hedge against inflation. All right, if you're a millionaire... If you're a hundred thousand heir and you've got all your beans, rice, and bullets that you think you need for you, your family, and, and an emergency supply for just in case, and you've got all the good hot equipment, you're on schedule, you're getting everything in line, and you've got tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars sitting in the bank, then by all means, even at this price, I'd recommend you go get 10, 15% in metals but not as an investment, because you could lose, you could lose half that money or more if they collapse it all the way down like they did in 1970 and 1980. But be responsible. Don't listen to the, you know, the people who puff warm air up your backside or the ones who tinkle on you and tell you it's raining. Be educated and informed. Learn these things for yourself. Go read, study. Those who do not learn from history are doomed to repeat it and suffer. If you went out and you bought $100,000 worth of gold, and in six months it was worth $50,000, inflation, I don't see it backing down that, that much. <laughs> I just don't see it. I... Uh, I see, see uh, you know, commodities 
as your as your way. Commodities is where it's at. Commodities that you control and possess on hand. You know, don't get into some scheme where somebody says, "Well, I got uh, uh, ten million rolls of toilet paper in a warehouse in 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 upstate New York, and uh, if you'll pay in, uh, you know, thousand dollars." You'll be on a margin share of this toilet paper when it becomes, you know, worth ten times, you know, because people are going to want it, you know, blah, 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 blah. No, no. You you control what it is you're going to invest your money in for commodities. You control the beans. You control the rice. You control the ammunition. And please, when you get that ammunition, get ammo cans. Get airtight, watertight quality, durable storage containers. And a surplus military ammo can is the best bang for your buck. And that you don't have to just put ammo in there. You know, you you know that if you get electronic equipment, let's say somebody nasty decides to throw into the mix when we're having the midst of our of our depression starting again. And uh, they decide to toss a nuke into the atmosphere. And uh, do an electro, uh, electromagnetic impulse, EMP. Poof. Now all of that transistor, uh, solid-state circuitry, all that, all of that uh, digital equipment, fried. But if you go down to the screen supply and you buy yourself some copper mesh screen, and you get some copper, real thin copper wire and a cell needle, and you sew yourself a copper rectangular sleeve that'll fit down in an ammo can and you make a slip over lid for it a little bit larger so it slides over your existing little copper little little device that you've sewed up so that there's no gaps so that when you and you put it inside the ammo can and you put your radios and your GPSs and your your uh, your cell phone jammers and your GPS jammers and all your electronic equipment down inside these ammo cans. And then you slap the lid on top. Now you have the metal from the ammo can, but you have that copper mesh Faraday cage inside the ammo can. So when that little EMP goes zip, it goes around your box. doesn't even know what's in your box. It goes and goes, oh, well, I guess we're not going to fry that circuitry. We need another circuitry in there to fry. So, you know, you've got to, there's things to think about here, simple little things that you need to do. You have to hardwire, electronically hardwire, protect. It's called hardening, electronically hardening. You've got the marine radios mounted in the truck. This should be wrapped up in copper screen. There should be like a little copper screen window for over the front of it. You know, those of you that can mechanically and, uh, you know, have ability to fix and work on things, why not take your trucks, your survival rigs, pull the headliners down, cut some copper mesh screen and throw it up in there and put it up in there. Make a copper screen covering for the back window. Make some little roll-down curtains. Make a sunscreen, take an existing sunscreen and uh, stitch on some copper mesh to it and keep it up in there. Get inside your uh, door panels. You know, get up under the carpet. Lay some copper mesh around. 
First off, that's going to do several things. It's going to create a little Faraday cage as long as you've got coax going out. Now you have to shield your antennas. So we're talking about vehicles that aren't being used on a day-to-day basis. And if you if you are using a day-to-day vehicle that's got your marine radio in it to take contact, you're going to go to you know go away for the weekend or something like that. Make a little sleeve to slide over your antenna, so that when you're parked, because the EMP will come through the antenna. But if you shield it with a little copper sleeve, it'll go around it. It won't be able to get into your radio. And you've built a Faraday cage around just about everything else. That'll minimize any impact. That's the other thing I've harped on about diesel vehicles. Pre-92 diesel vehicles are not electronic. They have no computers, no chips. They're mechanical. They use electricity to turn on and turn off the pump. But like on a Mercedes-Benz, you can get them where they've got a manual switch. You can protect your batteries. You can harden everything electronically. You can wrap things up. You can make your you can take your um, for your hood there uh, your your heat your heat blanket for your hood. You can pull that down and reline it with some with some copper mesh screen. You can protect all of this stuff. You need to do that. You need to consider protect your investment. You know you're getting these clothes that I've been talking about. I don't know. You know, I went down to Wally World the other day, and the underwear that I could buy from Fruit of a Loom that I like to wear that I could get in December, they were having special deals, six and five packs, you know. There was no more. There are all four, and they were ten ninety seven. The six-pack that I bought at Christmas time was eight ninety seven. Okay, so now I got two less, and I paid $2 more. Methinks inflation is here. That's a, technically a 50% increase. So I lost two items of product, and I paid $2 more. Yeah, it's probably not exactly 50%. Those of you that are math whistles will figure it out. But it's a high rate. It's more than 5%. I'll tell you that much for sure. But um, same thing with the T-shirts. The $2 T-shirt is gone. It's $3 a T-shirt. So that is a 50% increase. Socks doing the same thing. The pants I like to buy, they were $3 more a pair than they were last year. The day-to-day kind of pants I like to wear. Carhartts right now, believe it or not, are still a bargain. And we have a local place here, and hopefully, you're, you're, you know, it's the time of year where they'll have sales. Uh, and our local place is having its annual Carhartt sale. And you can go save 20%. So those of you who are in the southern Oregon area, you know, go to Crater Chainsaw. They don't, they're not a sponsor, but that's where they got it. And go save yourself 20%. Some of you could look up Crater Chainsaw online and maybe even order it mail order. That'd be something. 20% savings to help pay for the shipping to wherever you're at. Just now thought of that. So you could check. Yeah, 
Crater Chainsaw in Medford, Oregon. They sell all kinds of goodies. They started out, they catered to loggers. And uh, I even heard them say on one of their advertisements uh, today that they were going to have a sell on, uh, on Danner boots. Not the best boots in the world, but certainly not the worst. I'd rather you see have a pair of whites or Italian uh, mountain boots called Galibiers. But they're very expensive. But boy, do they last forever. There's boots like that, whites and Galibiers and and other other you know high quality top end top of the line Red Wings uh, that are double capped. Those are the kind of boots you you pay the fifty bucks to the shoe repairman to put a new sole on them every ten years. While you have that ability, if you're wearing them, you know a lot of you are got a different kind of a job where those boots might not work in you know work for wearing on daily wear. Now that's fine. But you definitely want to break them in. You don't want to wait to break your boots in on the day that the balloon goes up. And you want to practice. You want to take all your goods and your, your your camp equipment and your pots and your pans and your grills and your stoves and load the family up and go spend a weekend in a survival mode in the woods. Try it out. You know, first off, you're going to have fun camping. But you'll get to try your stuff out. You'll get to, you know... They'll knock the, the theory out. They'll see the reality. You'll see that putting liquid soap or toothpaste on the bottom of a pan that you're going to put on open fire sure makes it easier to clean later on because of all the black that will get on it. Of course, if you do like I recommend and you bead blast all your, your stainless steel cookware pots and paint them with high-temperature stove paint, usually flat black, you don't have to worry about cleaning them as much because they're going to be black. But you don't want to get that extra black soot on, so you may still want to go ahead and coat it with some soap because then you can keep the dirt and the, the, the crud off. All right. There is uh, Mike and the Mechanics coming up, and we will be back after about a uh, three-minute break. This is Survival Time. I am your host, Richard McGregor. Just inside the doorway 
Can your family survive a food shortage lasting two weeks, six months, or maybe longer? Sound far-fetched? We live in precarious times. There is an ever-increasing possibility of food shortages caused by terrorist attacks, natural disasters, truck strikes, or monetary collapse. You owe it to yourself and family to prepare, and you can by getting a supply of our long-storing, freeze-dried, and dehydrated foods. Our foods are time-tested to store for decades, require a minimum of time and energy to prepare while maintaining superior nutritional value, freshness, and taste. Our foods were designed for the space program and are in constant use today by our own nuclear submarine service. Contact the Freeze Dry Guy today at freezedryguy at landset.com. That's freezedryguy at l-a-n-s-e-t.com or call 530-265-8333. 530-265-8333. And let them know you heard it on American Voice Radio. What makes deep sea salt from France so different? Up from the ocean depths in the south of France flow undersea rivers of pristine sea water. At high tide, the prepared salt ponds are filled with this water. Over spring and summer, processed only by ocean breezes and sunshine, the brine thickens and salt crystals float to the top. These are harvested with nets and deposited on wooden drainage flats to dry. The salt is then gathered up, packaged, and shipped around the world. This salt is much more than a box of lifeless sodium chloride. Soldiers worth their salt were once paid with this valuable commodity. It contains 78 to 84 balancing elements. This is living salt, and once you have tasted it, you will never go back to anything else. I've seen this salt in gourmet shops for $30 a pound. Get it now at 4spectrum.us for under $8 a pound. Order 10 pounds and enter the coupon code AVRSALT at checkout and save $20. Ships free to your door or call 800-581-8906. Order today. Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for one forty. $49.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click the satellite system.
Final Time. I am your host, Richard McGregor. American Voice Radio, AmericanVoiceRadio.com. Now, this is a live show. It is the 5th of May, uh, 2011. A little bit after, uh, oh, probably about 25 or so to, to 7, uh, out here on the left coast, Pacific Standard Time. And if you want to call in and ask a question, and we do encourage that, and we do welcome your questions, 800-596-8191, 800-596-8191, toll free. And for those of you who have an unlimited calling plan or international callers, it's area code 541 And we do have a handy-dandy voice bridge so that you can tell your friends who might not be able to have Internet. Of course, this is not a toll-free number, so keep that in mind. It will eat up your minutes. Of course, you can put it on your friends and calling circle number, and it would be free for you then. And that's area code, the voice bridge is area code 218-862-7200, 218-862-7200. And you have to have the handy-dandy access code of 361113, 361113. All righty. Well, we were kind of talking about philosophy and uh, mental survival and having your brain tuned in for what needs to be done. And, and uh, you know, if you haven't done this, I suggested this early on in one of the early shows, so we'll kind of kind of touch base with it again. never hurts to go over things. We've got new listeners. You might have uh, been furiously scribbling down and missed something I said. I know I try to write stuff down off the radio when I hear a show that I'm interested in. I don't always get everything. Um, you know, we do have archived and you can order uh, past shows uh, for a nominal fee. You have to get a hold of the AVR store and Frank and find out exactly how much how much that is. I don't have that information. He's in charge of that. Uh, but you can get you can get all the past shows, uh, and then that way uh, you can go ahead and uh, do some review and study and get a bunch of folks together and have a group situation and discuss and talk over the ideas that you hear. You know, just because I say something, I'm not the final authority. These are things that I've experienced, ideas I've had, things I've done, uh, concepts I've read about. Uh, Some of them, most of it, I've tried. I've had close friends who've reviewed some of the things that I've talked about. I've seen it, witnessed it, heard about it, touched, tasted, smelled, and... uh, you know, these, but it's not the end. I mean, if you can think of something that's got a little different twist to it, no, we don't all know everything. And I don't even make, begin to make the claim of knowing everything about survival. I know men that know far more than I do. They're just not geared to doing a show. We're not in a position to be able to do that. I know. I'm fortunate the, the series, the, the planets aligned, and here I am able to help you. I look at this as a ministry. I was thinking about this. I was thinking about uh, listening to some of the guys banter about different talk show hosts on a couple of the programs, and I'm not a talk show host in that that's not my what I am. I'm a survivalist. I'm an individual who knows how to be prepared for what's coming for me and myself, for my family, for, for my group and my friends. Uh and I just happen to have a talk show. So in that respect, okay, I could be a talk show host. But I'm not 
an entertainer. You know, guys like Limbaugh and Beck and Hannity are entertainers. They're media pundits. And they're doing what they're doing to make a buck. God bless them. I'm, I'm, I'm happy. They convey a lot of good information. I'm not saying that because they're making a buck that the information that they're disseminating is invaluable. It is. But what they're doing is they could go tomorrow and, and not do that radio format and go back to spin and disc on a top 40 station. They're radio people. I'm a survival person who happens to come to you once a week for a couple of hours over the Internet and over some low-powered broadcast station and over the Galaxy 19 to give you information, to spark your brain, to get you moving. Get up, go, do something, get some inspiration here, folks. Encouragement. These are things that have worked. These are things that I know about. These are things that you can do. These are ideas. If you take them, you got to run with them. you got to become knowledgeable. you got to dig and ferret out. Go find people in your area. Uh, I've got a deal coming up. Some of you like bows and arrows. I just ran into a guy yesterday. Happened to be eating uh, dinner with a friend of mine in a local restaurant, and this guy was pretty loud. He talked pretty doggone loud. And, you know, I guess that was God modulating his volume so I'd hear him. And he was giving detailed instruction to this guy. I guess he teaches how to make uh, English longbows and other bows. And I got his card and his information, and, and I'm going to talk to him and interview him, and I'm planning to have him as a guest. Come on and, you know, give you guys some uh, pointers and some inspiration and some books and material and find some people in your local area to help you construct a bow. That's, that's a, handy, a handy thing to know. You can make an English longbow. It's got 65-pound, 70-pound uh, pull on it. How to kill a deer. You know, what do you got? What do you have? Uh, what's a blind deer called? Uh, you got no idea. Well, with that bow, you would have a deer. You'd have an idea how to make a bow to get a deer. And then, by the way, it could take out a two-legged, uh, you know, animal too. Just as easy. A lot of power. After all, the English longbow killed a whole lot of Frenchmen. Unfortunately, it killed a whole lot of Irish and Scotsmen, too. But uh, it was a, a, an awesome weapon. And so we'll get that information out to you. We'll get some knowledge. Get, get, get some, uh, some uh, knowledge bases out there. You know, having primitive skills are, are a good thing to know, in, you know, in case it really gets, you know, really way past the postman, you know, really, really, really past the book of Eli. Uh, but, my God, isn't it nice to be able to walk over to your little 12-volt uh, pump, boil your on your propane stove, boil up your five-gallon pot of water, pour it in with some of your cold water and box it in and put your little sump in there and turn on your little electric pump and take a nice shower, nice hot shower with soap. Isn't that just, isn't that, boy, isn't that just better than a cold mountain stream, you know, with some lye-made soap that you made that afternoon, you know? I don't know about you. I mean, walking over and opening up the foil pack of Mountain House for two and pouring in the boiling water and stirring it up and getting some of your rice that you stored and 
some of the cold soaked beans from the day before and boiling them up and sitting down with your with your sweetie and having a nice beans and rice and mountain house uh, you know chicken cacciatore and uh, you know some flatbread that you made up from some of the wheat that you bought and stored you know and ground into your own flour and uh, sitting there and uh, turning on that battery operated light from that solar charge panel that's been charging that up all night. That's a lot better than, you know, going out and running down a hog and killing it and rendering the fat so you can make soap and, and uh, you know, candles out of, the, out, of, out of that and everything else, and then turning around and trying to read the Bible by, uh, by some, some candlelight. Nice to know those things. Do not get me wrong. But when you have money today that will let you go buy a Coleman lantern, and some bottles of propane, and then go down to Harbor Tool and Freight and get the propane refiller, which, by the way, they used to be seven, eight bucks. They're now twenty something dollars, folks. People figured it out. The company that makes those make them in the United States. They're not made in China. That unit, the Chinese didn't figure that one out. Not enough market share. So the company that makes it makes it in the United States, and brass went up. So now that unit is three times what I told you it was seven months ago. That's inflation. That's called inflation. And it's not going to go down. I was just down there. The Fireman's Short Axe made in Germany is still 1995. I don't know how that stayed that price, but you better go down there and get them. You better go down and pick one of those up. That's a handy it's a short axe. It's only about two and a half feet long, but it's still got the big head like a regular fireman's axe. It's pointed on the back. It's painted red uh, with a brown handle. You need to paint it green or brown. You don't need to sharpen the backside of it. That's a grabbing and hanging on pick, and it's plenty sharp enough to sink into the skull of a dirt bag. It can be used as a battle axe, but I guarantee you you're going to use it 999.9% of the time for chopping up some wood and building a lean-to and making a camp. But it's got good mass, short handle, easy swing. It's a great tool. And for 20 bucks, and it's German steel, and it rings true. You pop it on the head of the axe, and it's got a beautiful ring to it. It's not this flat, dead Chinese crap. It's a good piece of metal, and you know it ain't going to be twenty bucks forever. And you need to run down there and 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 get these things. You know. By the way, Harbor Tool and Freight and some of its little finer tool sections has some hemostats. They've got a couple of really great big ones. Now there, you figuring guys are going to use that to chase bolts down the side of an engine block. But sometimes a big hemostat in an emergency medical resection of a bowel can be a handy item. Now, are you going to do that surgery? No, but what if you found a doctor who made it out of the city, but he made it without any of his tools? Wouldn't it be nice to already have a nice stocked little infirmary that you could say, oh, paramedic, doc, physician's assistant, RN, here you go. You can come into our camp. You have a useful skill. You're welcome. And we'll, 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 we'll put you up. 
hey, you know, we don't, might not have full-time medical services, so you might have to collect firewood and help look after the children and stuff like that. But at the same time, when we need medical, you're here, baby. But in the meantime, you get to eat beans and rice. And we'll give you a few bullets for that firearm that you did manage to have so you can stand your, your turn at watch. No special privileges for people when the time comes south. Everybody pulls their own weight. Everybody takes their turn at the gate, so to speak. You know, just because you're the camp president or the military leader don't mean you should shirk a duty or responsibility of taking a turn at watch. In fact, if anything, you should be willing to take the more uglier, uglier watch because you're the leader. The leader deprives himself. The leader makes sure. When I was an infantry officer in the field, my men ate first. We'd stand in line to eat, tactically, by the way, 10 feet between each one of us. And I would get in line. I'd be at the end. Now, me and another lieutenant, we'd sometimes break that 10-foot rule because we'd be talking about what we're going to be doing for training for the next day. So we'd be there pretty close to each other. But we'd be at the end of the line. And here comes another private or a corporal coming up to the line because not everybody gets there right away because everybody's scattered throughout the, you know, the, the area. So they're, they're filtering in, and they're taking, and not everybody comes out of the foxhole at the same time because you've got to leave uh, 50% security. So some guys coming up, they don't get behind us. We put them ahead of us. And sometimes it would take us 30 minutes to get up to that, you know, to that food. Sometimes it wouldn't be as much as whatever, you know, you thought you might want. But that's what you do as a leader. Leaders sacrifice for their personnel. Now, likewise, when we were back in on post in the regular chow hall, and the troops didn't have anything to do except, you know, go pick up cigarette butts and go to go to, go to local training classes. There was no stress. They were under no uh, no uh, arduous task of the field, and our load of of uh, Administrative work was much, much, much greater back on post. Then we would go to the head of the line. And you know what? The troops didn't mind that because they understood. They knew that these officers, when they're in the field, we come first. And we know that when we're back here in camp, they're still, we come first. What they're doing is they're getting in there, getting their business. They're eating quick so they can go finish getting the, the rest of the stuff done for us. But you don't take that privilege and put it across the board as a leader. That's a privilege that comes when it's place and time. And and that's what leadership does demand is that you do sacrifice. And that's why you get the little privileges. Leadership isn't all privileges. You know, it's exactly the opposite of what most people think. Most people who haven't ever experienced leadership and haven't been trained in leadership don't know that. That's why everybody should have, you know, these these uh, classes where you go out, outbound wilderness-type experiences, get out there and do the rope bridge and do the high line and uh, do rappelling and stuff like that. You know, develop your confidence levels and then take some leadership courses, learn some managerial skills, read the one-minute manager. That's a good book. You know, I know it's applying to business, but it'll apply to the military, it'll apply to survival camps, uh, 
it's a it's a not a bad book. One Minute Manager. It tells you how to how to conduct yourself with your people. And uh, you know, if you don't know much about leadership and government, you know, I suggest you go down and go to your local uh, county commissioner board meeting, city council meeting, and learn. You don't have to agree with the politics to go see how things work. We talked about uh, last week on the ride along program, going going to ride along. You don't have to be in love with the police to go see that they have a hard job and understand some a little bit better. And you know what? You might see one of these cops and ride around with him, and then the next time you're out there and you make a mistake or the error occurs, lights out by accident, he might be the cop that pulls you over. You guys will sit there and talk about a couple of relative favorite stories. It won't even be a traffic stop. It'll be, oh, yeah, how you doing? Yeah, 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 blah, blah, blah. Okay, okay, get that fixed. All right, you know, I probably didn't know it was out. Okay, all right, we'll see you later. Bye. Or you can be the kind of guy that goes, oh, cops, I hate them. They're always out to get money from you. And some of them are. Some of them, I'll tell you right now, I'm not lying to you. I'm telling you, some police have it. They, they got to win. Your, your guy who doesn't want to be the winner doesn't go to become a police officer. The guy who always wants to win the ball game, he wants to win the boxing match, he wants to win the wrestling match, is the guy who's going to become the cop. Not the guy who's content to lay back and play chess and go, oh, well, I lost this one, let's play another one. That ain't, that's not the guy who's the cop. Mr. Aggressive, sometimes the bullies. And that's where we have our problems, the bullies. And the other problem is our police officers don't know any more than than a regular day-to-day public. They don't know what the Constitution says. Now, this will shock you. This will shock you. This, is just, this isn't about anything specific. This is about the mentality of human nature. They just did a, a two days ago the most searched word on Google two days ago. Question. The question on Google. You're going to be amazed. Was who is Osama bin Laden? Who is Osama bin Laden? Was the most asked question on the Google Ask two days ago. Now, how many people are we having in this country? Are young people going to school and they don't know? Even that current bit of history, we're actively engaged in two wars because, allegedly, of the gentleman. And these people don't have a clue as to who he is. So you folks, you know, think, you know, I'm kind of picking on people with, you know, this, you know, repetitive training and and repeating things and stuff like that and trying to, you know, that's how you learn. You don't go to the class one time and think you know it all. you got to keep learning. you got to keep applying yourself. you got to keep digging and ferreting out the knowledge. You know, some of you know a lot of stuff out there, and you think, you know, everybody knows everything. I'm telling you, I run into people who are dumber than a box of rocks. Got no common sense. You know, you, know, you point things out to them, and you go, hey, you gotta, you got to think about, you know, and... and and then there are people who are absolutely brilliant. They make tons of money. They know how to do business, but they don't know how to do survival. 
They don't know what they need to know to put the, you know, so you got to help those people. You got to point it out to them. And you got to, you know, you got to be patient. You got to take your time. And you got to say, this is why you need this. Not that you just need this. This is why you need this. You explain why you need the Fireman's Act. You explain why you need the stainless steel water container as opposed to the plastic, which has all the chemicals in it that will leach in and make it not so good for your family. Uh, you know, we love glass, but glass breaks, so we substitute and we take the stainless steel. Now, like I've said, not everything is cast in stone. You go ahead and um, take a take a um, take a uh, um, uh, platter for like a like a uh, hydration system or something like that. And uh, that will um, that will uh, hang on just a second, folks. I got a small technical difficulty going on right now. I got to take care of it. Dennis, that's just a little too loud. I'm hearing myself. Somebody's got a radio on in the other room, and it's getting a feedback, and I could hear myself, and it was causing me to lose my track, my concentration there, folks. So I had to ask them to turn it down just a smidgen bit. All righty. Um, so, you know, you, you, you know, the, the, the bladder for the, for the uh, uh, hydration uh, bladder for the camelbacks. Now, they're, they're, it's, a, it's a plasticky kind of material. But it is designed a little bit better and designed for uh, for water storage and water usage. That doesn't mean you fill it up and you leave it for six months and then drink that water. Hydration bladders and things like that are things that you you might have the one in the emergency vehicle in your 72-hour pack, but you want to rotate that one quite frequently, at least monthly, so that that water supply is is constantly looped through and changed. And and uh, you know, but in your in your long-term storage now. The blue five-gallon and the black five-gallon water jugs—they will store the water for a longer period of time, and that's uh, you know they're designed for water storage. But a milk jug, milk jug is a poor, poor, poor choice for storing water. It starts to break down. I mean, it's breaking down when it's got milk in it at the grocery store, and light is its enemy. So, you know, don't don't uh, don't believe and don't trust in milk jugs. You know, you want an inexpensive water storage container, you know, get yourself a two-liter soda, soda bottle water, uh, bottles. Um, green is better, you know, and some of you might want to take some uh, Krylon Fusion paint and actually paint them. You know, if you take one and paint it black and set it out in the sun, you got some warm water to rinse off with and park that on a vehicle. All right, there is Mr. Cash. It is coming up on the 7 o'clock hour. This is Survival Time. I am your host, Richard McGregor, and we will be back in about three minutes. Can run on for a long time, run on for a long time, run on for a long time. Sooner or later, got to cut you down. Sooner or later, got to cut you down. Go tell that long-tongued liar. Go and tell that midnight rider. Tell the rambler, the gambler, the backbiter. Tell him that God's gonna cut him down. Tell him that God's gonna cut him down. Well, my 
goodness gracious, let me tell you the news. My head's been wet with the midnight dew. I've been down on bended knee, talking to the man from Galilee. He spoke to me in a voice so sweet. I thought I heard the shuffle of angels sleep. He called my name and my heart stood still. When he said, John, go do my will. Go tell that long-tongued liar. Go and tell that midnight rider. Tell the rambler, the gambler, the backbiter. Tell him that God's gonna cut him down. Tell him that God's gonna cut him down. You can run on for a long time. Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for one of four. $49.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. What an expert says about distilled water. If you decide on bottled water, make sure it's distilled. However, in the long run, you'll save money if you clean your water at home. It's more convenient than hauling gallon jugs from the store. The gold standard for purifying your water is a system that distills your water and filters it. You have the comfort of knowing there is no chlorine, fluoride, bacteria, viruses, pesticides or lead you get nothing but h2o maximum health dr robert d willicks jr md order your tabletop water distiller for 139.99 post paid it comes with everything you need to get pure distilled water go to superstore.theamericanvoice.com that's Superstore.TheAmericanVoice.com. Order now. Food prices going up, homes being foreclosed, unemployment insurance running out, jobs leaving the country. Many people cannot afford to eat or keep a roof over their head. Too many can do neither. Messiah's Branch has a mission church in Wichita, Kansas that helps the victims of this banker's economy, the American people. Your neighbors, the mission is the last hope for so many Americans. We need your help to lift up the poorest of the poor. These are men, women, and children who once had homes, now in the street. They all need what you need. First aid, beds, food, clothing, and so on. You can send a monetary gift or a box of necessities to 230 West 4th Street, Florence. Donate online by going to wichitahomeless.com. 
www.thebrotherhoodchurch.com or simply call 316-619-4886. Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now.
Or for those of you with unlimited calling plan or international callers, 541-826-9159. 541-826-9159. It is the 5th of May, 2011. So if uh, all of that's right, it's a little after 7 p.m. on the left coast out here. We are a live show at this particular moment, so if you want to call in, now's your opportunity. Call in and ask a question. All righty. Uh, Last week I was telling you about that little uh, helicopter at Walmart, and I went back and I took a better look at it. What it does is it downloads whatever video it sees, and then you have to have a laptop or a Droid-type phone or an iPhone. You could app, you know, cross it over for anything that you could, anything you could download into a computer. So any any electronic device that you have that would uh, allow you to do that download. So. It's not real-time, like my friends. They'd actually got cameras that actually uh, uh, were analog and broadcast right back to the little black-and-white TV. So some of you out there who got those little teeny black-and-white TVs, you know, and now that everything's digital, you're thinking, what the heck is that useful for? I'm going to toss it. Don't toss it. Don't toss your little, if you go to a yard sale and somebody's got one for a buck, buy it, especially if it's got the charger with it. Because, you know, those were... You know, some of those were battery-operated, or they, they plugged into the cigarette lighter in the vehicle. You can still get those little cameras that I was talking about. For They're really inexpensive, and you can get a little ultralight radio-controlled airplane and, and make an actual real-time. But for something, if you just wanted to, say, do a reconnaissance flight, send it out, let it take a picture, turn around and come back, download it real quick, take a, view, a quick view and see what was up ahead. You know, it'll go around a corner or something like that. You know, you could you could crawl up, follow it along the side of the road till it got to the corner of the bend in the road, and fly it out past the bend, let it hover for a few seconds, take a good look, then fly it back. You're not sticking your head out there to get it shot off. Then you bring it back, you look on your, you download it to your to your miniature little Acer laptop that you got for a couple of hundred bucks. You go, oh, there's bad guys there with a block, Kate, hmm, a roadblock. Hmm, okay, everybody. Let's not go that way. Let's go some different direction. You know, a little, little word to the wise, a little intel there, you know, save ammunition. Save, save those bullets so you can protect those beans and rice. All righty. I'm going to re-remind you of the uh, ops mentality. Stop. Stop. Think. Observe. And plan. That goes right along with that little video helicopter and reconnaissance work. Stop long enough to realize, to think, make your observations. From that, make your plan. Don't go in rushing headlong. Don't think. Don't don't react. Act. Take take the passion and use that in making the plan. Don't go for the gut. Go for the mind. Take a few minutes. Think about what you're going to do. You'll have more chance of success. No, sometimes you got to be aggressive. Now you're in an ambush. You know, sometimes you turn away from the ambush. You go into the mines or into the claymores that are in the trees. So we were taught to attack the ambush. Because that's not where they're going to have their claymores set up. And they're not expecting you to attack the ambush. So you make your move into the ambush. Aggressive. 
Now, on the other hand, if you're the ambusher, you pick a position to conduct your ambush from that's very difficult. Like on a road, instead of being at a level section of the road and conducting your ambush, if there's like a, an embankment, you want to be up on the embankment and conduct the ambush. And one of the most successful ambushes is called the L ambush. And it can be a right or left-legged L. It can be upside down. It can be a dyslexic L. But that's where a road will make a turn to the right or the left. Set your ambush on the high side, parallel to the road. Then where the road makes a turn, you set up a mass fire weapon, heavy, heavy rate, heavy volume, that fires straight down the road. You set your mines or your booby traps or your claymores on the off side, on the downslope side. The target comes in to the ambush. You engage them from the front. Let one vehicle or one group turn on the corner, and you engage. Now they don't exactly know where the ambush has started from, except ahead of them. So they don't know, is it is that the leg of the L, or is it that the head of the ambush? Then your side opens up. Just a few seconds delay. Not a, not a great delay. Anybody that tries to run away from you goes into your booby traps. You have now become the victor. Now you can have one person dedicated on the bend of the road at the turn of the L to take care of the one group or grouping that went to the right or to the left and take them out from the rear. Now remember, in combat, in war, where your life and the life of your family, the survival situation is on the line, shooting someone in the back is not unfair. It's not bad sportsmanship. It's taking the enemy out. Enemy paratroopers are perfectly legitimate targets under the canopy coming down. You don't have to wait for them to touch the ground to shoot them. The enemy is not going to get you any slack. They're going to put the black flag on you. You need to put the black flag on them. There, someone's here, and they've come here from some distance, far away place, and trying to impose their government's plans or will on you and yours. They don't deserve Miranda. They don't deserve, oh, put your hands up and surrender. They deserve die here and now. What you have now becomes mine. It's not theft. It's called the spoils of war. Or as an acquaintance of mine used to call it, Egyptian surplus. Those of you who are students of the Bible will get that. For those of you who are not, when the Israelites left Egypt, God said, take everything you need with you from the Egyptians. Whether they give it to you or not, take it. Egyptian surplus. And the Egyptians, in a moment of being disgusted with what was going on, said, go ahead, we don't care. They really did care. They come chase them down in the desert afterwards as part of the, you know, to try and get their stuff back. But that, that, that's what's known as Egyptian surplus out here in the, in the survival uh, slash Christian uh, identity movement world. Uh, free to use it. It's, uh, it's uh, a good handy saying. I've heard it for years from dozens of different people. 
All right. Uh, you know, I wanted to reco- uh, go back on something. I was just thinking, uh, just just poked in my mind. I was thinking about Alice Bax here today, and something I forgot to tell you. When you do your when you do your, and it just doesn't have to be an Alice Bax. And you can go to like some of the brigade quartermasters or or, or some of the other uh, military supply places catalogs and stuff like that. And you can find the uh, it's a little reflective tape. It's not reflective. It's a luminescent tape, illuminated tape. You know, you shine a light on it and you charge it up. And uh, we call them cat eyes in the military. And, you know, if any of you are out there and you've got a helmet, military helmet uh, from the last 30 years, uh, it can be a Kevlar or one of the steel pots from post-Vietnam. You have this little elastic band, and you see it's got these two little uh, off-white little tabs on it. And some of you have come to the conclusion that those glow in the dark. Well, they're set so far apart, and they're one inch long, and they're a half inch wide. And you'll also see them on patrol caps, on Army patrol caps. Ranger patrol caps will have them. They'll be an inch apart, and they'll be vertical on the back of the hat. And see, that's to give the guy who's following behind you, because they don't glow that bright. They don't even show up that well. They'll show up close up with night vision, but they don't show up that, you know, from a far distance. So what what you're doing is you're you know you're giving the guy ahead of you and he knows that that's how far those are apart on your hat so he's got an idea of distance that he is from you. Well, what we used to do is take some of that extra tape, and it's sticky, but it it doesn't like to stick that well. So we would always extra glue it on and then wind up putting some clear tape over it. And on the frame, on 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 our Alice pack, so that when your pack is off you can see these, we would cut them in a little arrow shape, and put them up toward the upper part of the pack on the frame so that you knew which way was the top of your pack at night. So when you laid it down, because you always want to lay your pack down on what would be its outside or its back, leaving the part that goes against your back, the strap side, up. Because when you're in a hurry to get it on, you want to be able to stick your arms down, grab the pack, and lift it up over your head and drop it down over your shoulders. And have the, the the straps land right where right on your shoulders that way. That's how one guy puts on the pack by himself without having to have somebody hold it up. And you're not sitting there uh, fighting it. It's real easy to put on. But you put those little luminescent tapes. Now, if you say you have a soft pack and you don't have a frame to stick that on, well, you get yourself some clear vinyl that's sewable. And you've seen that. It's, you know they make make little uh, ladies. You can go into Walmart and buy a buy a cosmetics bag, you know, for the airlines. And you can cut that material up and re-sew it on and make a little clear pocket on the back of your nylon pack. And you can stick a couple of pieces of that luminescent tape in each one of the little pockets there, and, the, and there you've got it on the inside of your packs. And it also helps you find your pack at night when you're in a, an old little area. You're taking a break and you're getting that pack off your back while you're, you know, taking a child break. Uh, Eating your eating your MREs with your uh, instant minute rice. Unfortunately, we don't have instant bean rice, instant minute beans, but uh, you do have the uh, minute rice, which is you know you can take and remember to put those in a freezer a freezer bag, like a Ziploc heavy duty freezer bag, and then you can pour in a little water from your steam kettle, a little stainless steel miniature steam kettle that you can put over your small. Uh, Little, little teeny fire out of your hobo stove and heat the water up real quick and pour it in the freezer bag and reconstitute that rice and you heat that MRE up. Boy, you mix the two together and now you got a little bit more substantial 
a little bit more filling, some extra volume, some extra get up and go. And pre preseason, don't forget to preseason your rice. It's going to be a breakfast rice. Then you put your your, your brown sugar and your Molly McButter in it. Uh, your cinnamon, nutmeg, whatever you want. And if it's going to be a, a lunch or an evening meal, you know, you put your garlic powder, your dehydrated onion flakes, uh, your salt, your pepper. And uh, you wrap them up, stick them all together in another Ziploc bag, have a whole bunch of them in there. And you'll know, well, I'm going to have a, I'm going to have a lunch MRE. I'm going to have one of these to go with it. And you can expand your, your field rations that way. And that's the, that's the value of the minute rice. Minute rice for day-to-day fixed camp where you've got everything you couldn't move in five minutes if you tried. Then that's where you cook your regular rice. That's why you have the regular rice because you're going to have to cold soak and cook the beans. So you might as well cook the rice. You save the minute rice, the freeze-dried foods, and that stuff for when you're out in a tactical environment and situation where you have to move quick, you can't spend a lot of time, you don't want to set up a full camp, a full kitchen to prepare a meal. You just boil some water, add it to the foil pouches. And one thing you might want to consider, depending on your tactical circumstance and situation, you might want to stop one place, boil up the water, fill up all the packs with the hot water, the, the foil packs for the food, stick them under your arms, under your coats, under your jackets, and move off for another 15 or 20 minutes. That's got to cook anyway. It's got to soak. You move off to a different place. That way where you cooked, where you boiled the water, where you stopped, you're not there now. You moved out. You know, you had one or two guys doing the water and the stove issue. Everybody else is on security. Once the water's boiling, everybody gets their food packs filled with the water Everybody gets that redistributed, then you clean up that camp, you make it look like nobody was ever there, that where that little stove was at, and you uh, pack all that stuff up and you move a few hundred more yards, find another place, an ugly, nasty, I wouldn't want to go in there, and that's where you go. And then you sit there at 50% security. Not everybody eats at the same time. Half eat, half watch. Same thing when you're doing foot care. You don't just sit there and take off both boots and roll your pants up and stick your feet in the stream and da-da-da-da-da. No, you do one boot, one sock, get it done quickly, air it out, put on the fresh sock, put the foot powder on, stick the boot back on, lace it back up, then do the other foot. And you do this in 50% security intervals. Or even 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 less, you know, do it on a 30% margin. You don't want to get caught without a boot on. Certainly don't want to get caught with both boots off if a firefight erupts. If you have to get up and maneuver, boy, well, I'll tell you, the first time you step on a pine cone or some lead diver on the ground, the barefoot, you're not going to enjoy that. And uh, foot injury foot injury when you are on the foot surviving, boy, that's a major detriment. You become a casualty in that kind of circumstance and situation and get an infection. You may as well find yourself not being able to keep up. And sometimes in certain circumstances, 
you know, one person might have to be taken and given a place to hole up until they get better and might have to be left for the integrity of the rest of the group. That's a circumstance in a situation you as a commander of a, of a grouping, as a council, will have to decide when that situation comes to you and what the circumstances are when you're there. You got carts. Yeah, you built yourself a cart. You build them strong enough. Take somebody that's got a foot injury or a leg injury, and you can put them on the cart, and you can tow them along until they get better. The advantages of carts. We've talked about building carts from bicycle wheels and, you know, framework and making them strong and like a little rickshaw and don't get too wide. You can put a couple of packs on there. Remember, when you're when you're traveling with carts, have everything in shoulder bags, duffel bags with pack straps on them or backpacks, even if you've already got a backpack. Because when you need to move, you might not always be able to drag the cart up the side of the hill where you're going to have that ugly, nasty camp, the place where people wouldn't want to go. That's where you want to go and set up camp. So you've got everything in shoulder bags or straps and backpacks. You go up, drop your main pack that you've got on your back, you come back down and you ferry the stuff up. Then you pick the cart up and haul it up. Or you take the cart off the other side of the direction you went, off the trail, because you're going to be moving off in the morning anyway, and you put it another 50 feet on the other side, and you cover it over with the leaves, and you camouflage it. Then in the morning, you go down, you get it, move it back onto the trail, load everything back up, and off you guys go again. And by trail, I don't always mean a well-defined trail, but the, the direction of the, the terrain you're using to travel. But sometimes a trail is a bad thing to be on. Like I say, it all depends on where you live, what the level of disaster is, what occurred, who's in the bush, who's the enemy. Is it, uh, is it, is it the you know, local uh, gangs of whatever flavor or type? Is it the National Guard? Is it uh, Chinese troops? You know, it all makes, makes uh, you know, if it's, if it's some Chinese troops and they don't really have a familiarity with the area, and you know about this trail being there, and it's not quite used very much by anybody, and you know it's not on any current maps, it's kind of overgrown, might be pretty uh, pretty safe to use. But if it's in the national forest, and it's a well-designated known trail, and there's tons of regular maps for it, and the National Guard has used that area for training in the past, that would be an awfully sorry trail to try and go down if you're facing our own internal government forces trying to dictate what the people do or don't do. Wouldn't be wise. Remember, we're not after speed demons out here traveling. It's better to move a couple of miles a day and be sure and safe than to try and move 10 and bumble into an ambush. You know, it's always better to take your time. You know, this instant take-a-pill-and-I'm-cured world does not mesh well with long-term survival in an apocalyptic situation. It requires you being very, very, very patient. Become the snail. Take your time. Make sure you're not going to crawl onto some salt crystals. Get my meaning. 
make and be observant. Check, double check, triple check. Security. You know, flankers. Uh, rear guard. Appointment. Scouts. You know, equipment technology. And you know what? There's five of you. Guess what? Your workload has increased dramatically. That's why getting in a group. Now, how big is too big of a group? Well, I, you know, I say personally about 50 adults and children mix would be about the limit that you'd want to try to have any kind of impact on anywhere because you're going to put out a lot of thermal signature, a lot of noise, and a lot of activity. And the more you, more you have, then, you know. All right, there's the uh, bottom half-hour break. And uh, that's Mr. Clang, and after we'll be back after that, we'll talk about some firearm philosophy and techniques. And uh, and as you'd still like to give a call and ask something about firearms or guns, you're welcome to give a call. This is Survival Time. I am your host, it's Richard McGregor. survive a food shortage lasting two weeks, six months, or maybe longer? Sound far-fetched? We live in precarious times. There is an ever-increasing possibility of food shortages caused by terrorist attacks, natural disasters, truck strikes, or monetary collapse. You owe it to yourself and family to prepare, and you can by getting a supply of our long-storing, freeze-dried, and dehydrated foods. Our foods are time-tested to store for decades, require a minimum of time and energy to prepare while maintaining superior nutritional value, freshness, and taste. Our foods were designed for the space program and are in constant use today by our own nuclear submarine service. Contact the Freeze Dry Guy today at freezedryguy at lancet.com. That's freezedryguy at l-a-n-s-e-t.com or call 530-265-8333. 530-265-8333. And let them know you heard it on American Voice Radio.
countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. What makes deep sea salt from France so different? Up from the ocean depths in the south of France flow undersea rivers of pristine sea water. At high tide, the prepared salt ponds are filled with this water. Over spring and summer, processed only by ocean breezes and sunshine, the brine thickens and salt crystals float to the top. These are harvested with nets and deposited on wooden drainage flats to dry. The salt is then gathered up, packaged, and shipped around the world. This salt is much more than a box of lifeless sodium chloride. Soldiers worth their salt were once paid with this valuable commodity. It contains 78 to 84 balancing elements. This is living salt, and once you have tasted it, you will never go back to anything else. I've seen this salt in gourmet shops for $30 a pound. Get it now at 4spectrum.us for under $8 a pound. Order 10 pounds and enter the coupon code AVRSALT at checkout and save $20. Ships free to your door or call 800-581-8906. Order today. Down upon a Waco, Texas 
Lexus long lean on Before the seal search warrants could even be served The ATF shot up the place Some got what they deserve It's coming down That's right, it's coming down This is Survival Time I am your host Richard McGregor And this is Survival Time it is on American Voice Radio, AmericanVoiceRadio.com. All right, we're going to talk a little bit about the Fabrique Nationale Herstal Belgium FNSAL series of rifles. 308-762-551 NATO, a military battle rifle, true, honest-to-God battle rifle. Now, they did have the capability of being select fire when they were first developed and built as a military firearm. However, the Gurkhas, being subjects of the British at the time, and they therefore trained and were equipped as the British were when they were issued their L1A1, that's their variation, basically the same thing. We're going to talk about FNs a little bit, and I'll mention different names of them from different countries. Just think of like uh, a PC. You got IBM, you got Dell, you got Hewlett Packard, you got Sun Microsystems, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But they're all PCs. They all do the same thing. They all have a hard drive. They all have all that good stuff. So the FN Rifle Series, whether it's known as an STG-58, an L1A1, a C1A1, which would be Canada, uh, you know, know, there are 54 countries at the height had that as their issue rifle. And, you know, in, in South Africa, they call it the R1. So there are different different nomenclatures. In the United States, back in the 50s, when it was going up in competition against the M14, it was known as the TE-57. It did not get picked. Because back then, we had this prejudice about our firearms couldn't be designed or manufactured by some foreign country. Now our M16A2 is made by FN here in the United States. Uh, who, you know, are, are both of our main uh, belt-fed machine guns are FN-designed. You know, uh, now our mentality has gone the opposite direction. <clears throat> Back then, had we picked the uh, TE-57 instead of the M14, we'd still be carrying the TE-57 as a foul-type rifle. It's probably one of the finest battle rifles in the face of the planet. Now, I'm harped on AKs so much, okay? The reason I harp on AKs is because AKs work. AKs are reasonably priced. AK magazines are reasonably priced. And if you're on a budget, but you want to have firepower and a military firearm, you go with the AK. If you're really on a budget, I've told you, go get a Masson Nagant, old action, Russian military rifle from the turn of the previous century, in the 1898 through World War II. That rifle was used by the Russians. It's still used as their ceremonial rifle. But if you're someone who's a little better off financially and you want a little bit better range and you can afford to pay 50, 60 cents a round for ammunition, then the FN is the rifle for you. It's probably the finest single-point-use battle rifle. Now, if you guys want to get the scope mount for the battle rifle slash assault rifle slash semi-automatic carbine rifle, you know, I I get frustrated with folks who want to take the sow's ear 
and make a silk purse. Sometimes a sow's ear is a sow's ear is just perfectly fine device. It should be left alone. If you want a pinpoint precision, optically fitted, semi-automatic sniping rifle, the FN is not it. It can be made to do that, but then that's what it becomes only. You'd be better suited with an H&K or a PTR-91 if you wanted a multi-phased weapon system that can do different things. But if you want a battle rifle, now I'm not saying you can't have an optical vision device on it. You can have an EOTech or an aim point or some fixed power illumination scope. The British had, had a Trilux uh, illuminated uh, sighting device on it. But it wasn't like a scope for hunting deer or long range. It was for giving you more clarity uh, of field of vision uh, at battle ranges, at combat ranges. But if you're going to use open iron sights, you know, a FN is an excellent, excellent, excellent choice. And they've come down a little bit. There's a couple of places I'll tell you to pick up a shot and look around. You can see them. They're being built off of kits, being built off of Imbel parts kits. Imbel is a company down in South America that made the FN uh, and did an excellent job. Made for Brazil and Argentina. Uh, they're running around uh, six ninety nine, and that's the wholesale price. You still got to have your shipping and your dealer and all that good stuff and your state fees, anything. And they're about twelve dollars a piece for a twenty round magazine, and fifty sixty cents a round for brass reloadable ammunition, or even some of it's not even reloadable. Some of it's for damn prime. You wanted to get the Russian steel case three hundred eight ammunition, not reloadable. That's down to around 20, 26, 28 cents a round. And I think the Portuguese uh, Erdan Prime non-reloadable brass case is down to around 36 cents a round in 200-round battle packs. Uh, the FN has got great ergonomics. In other words, it carries nice, it shoulders nice, it's got a good stock length, it's got good... Uh, Component replacement, you know, the cocking lever, this magazine release, the safety, everything is where it should be. It's well designed. The British L1A1 was the actual, probably the final modern development variant that had a lot of good, good componentry done to it. The problem with the L1A1 is their inch pattern, not metric, although you can stick metric mags in an inch gun. You cannot stick inch magazines and a metric gun. They have a different hook in them. But I've always been of kind of the school of thought, if you've got an inch gun, get inch magazines. So what you want to do is find yourself a metric gun built. You, can, you know, there are people who have built L1A1 parts kits onto metric receivers. Not a problem. But it's just, you know, you, you, you've gotten your SAE wrench and you've, you know, been trying to do a metric bolt, and you find one that's really close, and you have to get the next one up because it's a little sloppy, but it'll still work. And that's basically what you're looking at, the difference between an SAE and a metric, an inch and a metric gun in the foul. But most of a lot of the parts will interchange. Uh, it's just slight variations, and there's a couple of things that have to be worked on by a gunsmith to make it come together and fit right. 
So you just avoid that. You buy a metric kit, a metric receiver, and there you go. Bob's your uncle. <clears throat> but there are a couple of parts off of that British L1A1, like the safety selector switch, that you would definitely want to get. And the other thing that you really want off of a British rifle is its bolt and its firing pin. Because the Achilles heel of the FN, and don't recommend titanium firing pins. You think, oh, well, they're stronger. They actually shatter a lot easier than a steel, regular steel heat-treated firing pin. But the British noticed that because the FN's firing pin is so long and it took a lot of uh, force energy from the strike of the hammer, that's its Achilles heel. That's this one weak spot is FNs like to break their firing pins. It's not every day. I mean, I've had a couple of type 56, 50, uh, 56, 53 paras that are Belgian-made Congo paratroop models. And, and I shot hundreds out of one of them, thousands of rounds. I've never had a, never had a firing pin failure. doesn't mean I don't have a couple spare. doesn't mean that actually one of these days I'm toying with the idea I bought a bunch of British bolts. Now you got to take them to somebody who knows what they're doing to make sure that they're head-spaced properly. But the British have a two-piece firing pin, right where FN firing pins like to break. They're two-piece. So they connect together, but if the stress gets at it too much, there's nothing there to crack. It just keeps driving straight on like a, like a, like a punch up against another piece of steel. That doesn't break. It was actually quite ingenious of them. So their firing pins never break. So if you can find a British bolt, or in a British firing pin, you can have that. that. That's one of those parts. It doesn't matter where it goes, an inch or a metric gun. Then the other thing you want to look for, if you're you're out there in the world of parts and you, know, you want to find a, build a gun from, from different parts, and you can go to DSA or you can go to the Ernst uh, Armory.com, uh, and uh, you can get these different parts, and you can build up your, you buy a basic foul parts kit, like right now, there's some G1 German foul parts kits out of Apex Arms, Apex, A-P-E-X Arms out of Colorado, Apex.com. They're $259 uh, minus a barrel. And, uh, but you, you can look up parts. Apex has parts, uh, extra parts, and you can ask them for an R1 uh, receiver locking lever. It locks the upper receiver to the lower receiver. It's not where most of them are just a vertical piece, and it's harder. These are L-shaped levers, so they actually have more ability, more force uh, to be able to release, uh, to take the gun apart for cleaning. It's a nice option. Uh, some of the cocking levers are just a round uh, plastic knob on the side of the firearm, whereas the Belgian Congo Paras actually had a little tang, a little latch, and they folded down. So some people like to put those on their rifles, even though they don't have a paratroop model. Um, there are all different kinds of little options. I suggest you go to the foul files, foulfiles.com, and you can talk to guys and ask questions. You can look and see pictures. You can read history. You can check up and, and see. So if you've got $1,000-plus to, to devote to a weapon system, uh, for ammunition, enough ammunition and magazines to support it, then I suggest you look in the, in the FNFAL rifle. It's an excellent battle rifle. If you want a sniping precision pinpoint rifle, then 
go get yourself a Savage 110 Tactical Bolt Action in whatever flavor of caliber you want. I recommend 308 or 30-06 before I go off into any of the exotic calibers because you're going to find more ammunition, more choices, and actually have a chance to shoot it a little bit more often because you can shoot military surplus ammo to practice a little bit. Uh, you go something with a 270 or a 243 or a 375, you're going to be paying a buck to two bucks a round. Seven millimeter, you're going to be paying over two bucks a round. So you need to, you know, you need to uh, pick and choose, you know. And if you go 308 for your bolt-action rifle and you do get yourself a foul, then you've got compatibility with ammunition. And you're going to be in a, in a greater chance. If you've got an M1 Garand as your military uh, rapid-firing firearm, then get a .30-06 bolt-action rifle for your hunting, for your precision work, for your pinpoint accuracy. Nothing wrong with the Ot 6 Ot 6 is a great round. The reason we have 308 is because they developed new powder, so they didn't need as much powder to perform the same function with the 30 caliber bullet out of the 308 that they did out of the Ot 6 And you could shrink, use less brass, reduce the weight, Therefore, haul more ammunition in a transport aircraft, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's why that happened. You know, it was a technology, an improvement in technology. It was like going from a hand crank on the front of a Model T to having an electric starter and a battery in a car. Didn't mean one didn't still work. just meant one was better, and there was technology that's the reason that it made it better. FNs are highly reliable, very robust, and, uh, you know, very, very good rifles. You may go to a gun show and find one for $600 on some guy's table or on some guy's back walking around. There's all kinds of, uh, all kinds of uh, possibilities when you go to a gun show. So, you know, if that, you're, you're thinking that way, you know, then that's the way to go. And like I say, the magazines are quite reasonably priced and, quite readily available, in good condition and good quality surplus magazines. And to, to my knowledge, no military magazine for an FN. I can't think of any that were bad. Uh, they were all well-made, all well-constructed. Okay, maybe an Isipore might be a little questionable, but I've even seen them work just fine. Isipore is India. India made this rifle. And of all the FN, it's probably the quote-unquote, you know, one of the worst. But even an Isipore gun is not a bad gun. It's just not cosmetically as pretty as some of the others that you'll find out there in the world. Uh, uh, Chuck Taylor, uh, you know, I've recommended his books before on combat handgun, combat rifle, and combat submachine gun and shotgun. You have to get those secondhand now. They're not being published anymore, unfortunately. Uh, it, it, he's an absolute uh, devotee and advocate of the rifle. And uh, I, I am too. But, you know, when when you're talking, but I'm also a very staunch advocate of the uh, AK. And uh, I needed to write this information down. There's a, there's a fellow in Las Vegas, if you've got a poodle gun, if you're bound and determined to keep your $800, $900 AR-15, I'll get you this information, uh, try to get it next week. And uh, the guy's a gunsmith out of Las Vegas. 
and he's come up with a coding system. And he, you send him hit your weapon, and it costs about I think two hundred bucks, and he tunes it up and coats it inside and out. He has a plain Jane run of the mill AR-15 down there right now, but he's had five thousand rounds through it without cleaning, and it still works. And uh, all the seals that have used ARs and all the Special ops guys that do use ARs are sending their ARs, their M16s, their M4s, to this guy to get them fixed. And I'm sorry, I, I just drew a blank on the guy's name, but uh, um, he's a pretty pretty prominent gunsmith in the Las Vegas area, and it's a, it's an arm coating for the for the AR system of weapons. So you would be it would be uh, you know if you're if you're bound and determined to keep your AR15. And I would recommend you you get this coating done to your weapon, and then that way you could uh, you could actually survive a firefight or two because uh, this stuff's supposed to work. It's supposed to keep the carbon from building up on your. And by the way, this coating can be done to other weapons. So you imagine the high reliability of an FN or an AK, and you turn around and do this coating to it. Aha! Now you're doggone near indestructible, even more so than the poodle gun. Poodle gun will kind of come up close to you if you don't have a coating on your AK, and it does, then you go get your AK coated and you leave the poodle gun in the dust again. Far, 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 far behind. And remember, we love our AKs because the ammunition is so reasonably priced, 26 cents a round, and we can get some good differences in ammunition, and we can get 30 and 40 round and 75 round drum magazines for our AKs, and, and we can you know keep our Liberty teeth sharp. Keep the keep the battle boys at bay. Keep the blue helmet guys back. Practice, become proficient, learn your weapon, learn how to disassemble it, learn how to clean it, learn how to do it in the dark. Get your cleaning supplies. Remember three cleaning kits minimum on you. And uh, take care. You know, a couple of pull throughs and a solid rod, just perfectly fine for your cleaning equipment. Remember, your AK is going to have a solid rod on it, most of them, 99% of them. You just want to have spare brushes, and you want to have a conversion. Because remember, in the U.S., you know, in the in the, the communist bloc, they made the attachments screw on different. Our side screws into the rod. Their side does exactly the opposite. The rod screws into the tip. There's plenty of outers and all those other companies that make a lot of cleaning gear, make adapters. Be sure to buy a few adapters. You can look for those. Those are usually easier found at the gun show than anywhere else. You can buy a bunch of them for a couple of bucks each. Salt two of them away. Be sure to put them in little pouches so they don't get lost. Or little Ziploc bags that you put tape around and put your little lanyard on so that they don't they don't go anywhere. You want to make sure that you're... Small little parts like that are easy to lose. That's why you want at least two of them. Well, you could take in, uh, you know, better to just, you know, uh, really, you know, you're going to, because you want to keep that rod on the AK, so you're going to need to keep some attachments for that. But if you're going to carry a separate uh, rod set, you know, then just go all, you know, I, I like to carry M16 rods. They're thin. They'll go through most all of the barrels that you you want. They're strong. They'll do the poking. Uh, they're small. They come come in several sections you know, to make a, a appropriate length rod. 
And then I use a couple of pull-throughs. I got an H&K German chain pull-through. And then I've got one of the, uh, the snake uh, pull-throughs. That way you've got a wide range of options for, you know, quick uh, cleaning, more durable uh, in, in uh, depth cleaning. Don't forget to get some pipe cleaners. And uh, you can get the little cotton rings, uh, little cotton uh, rolls. Uh, I think there's a hundred and something of them in the package from the Dollar Tree. Don't forget to shop your Dollar Tree for your first aid supplies and your and your other stuff that fills in fills in your holes and your gaps and your supplies and your equipment. And uh, don't forget to get your beans, rice, and bullets, folks. And for those of you who are new to the show and you're listening. Uh, when it comes to firearms, we asked you to pick a caliber, commit to it, start uh, start building toward your weapons, uh, 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 you know, acquisition. And if you don't have enough money to go out and buy it all at once, you know, buy the harder things because the guns will be around a little bit longer than the accessories, believe it or not. The magazines right now would be something I'd definitely get a hold of in the ammunition. And besides, once you started buying the ammunition in the magazines, you're committed to that rifle. Then when you get the money saved up for the rifle. Now, this is one thing I say. If you do have plastic and you can take a withdrawal to get enough money to buy the rifle, I would go ahead and do that now. I would make hay while the sun shines. I would not hesitate. You know, sell the big screen TV, sell the second car that's not, you know, that you can't afford to drive because gas is $4 a gallon. And get out there and get your rifle, get your beans, get your rice, get your bullets, get prepared, get knowledge, get wisdom, make friends. We are coming up toward the end of the show. We've got a couple of minutes left here, and I definitely want to thank you all for listening again this week. I hope I've been a, a help to you and a blessing, and uh, looking forward to getting some more knowledge and information to you here in the weeks coming uh, and get that guy lined up as a guest for the bow and the arrow session. That way some of you can uh, maybe that I, you know, want to go ahead and um, build a bow and have some pride in, uh, in something you made and a nice recreation. You can have your youngins join you in doing it. All right, that is the end of the show, folks. God bless. I'm Richard McGregor, and this is Survival Time on American Voice Radio. God bless. The interest is up and the stock market's down And you're only getting mugged if you go downtown I live back in the woods, you see My woman and the kids and the dogs and me I got a shotgun, a rifle, and a four-wheel drive And a country boy can survive Country folks can survive I can plow a field all day long I can catch catfish from dusk till dawn We'll make our own whiskey and our own smoke too Ain't too many things these old boys can't do And homemade wine And country boy can survive Country folks can
have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. heart condition and emergency rooms and medical doctors are not an option, you need our emergency heart attack kit. Five concentrated liquid formulas enter the system in 60 seconds to protect your heart muscle, strengthen heartbeat, increase circulation, relieve pain, and make breathing easier. When seconds count, you want all the help you can get with our emergency heart attack kit. Easy to use and portable in a one-pound compact kit for your purse, briefcase, or car. Call Apothecary Herbs now for your emergency heart attack kit, toll-free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the three W's.thepowerherbs.com.
right. Good afternoon, all. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Steffen. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It is April 24th, 2015. It is Friday. It is about nine minutes after 2 p.m. Pacific time, if all that's true where you're at. We are, in fact, live. Being live, that means you can participate in the show. Yep, you can call in 855-566-3738. That is toll-free, 855-566-3738. Or you can go to our chat room, which is located on our website at theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com. You'll see the chat link. Click it and uh, get on in there and then you'll uh, you'll be in there. And you can ask questions or make comments because I'm in there and I'll see that. But you don't have to participate in the show. You can just chat with the other folks or just see what they're saying. You don't have to say anything, okay? Anyway. So, oh yeah, and if you have uh, Yahoo Instant Messenger... You can also contact me by finding the screen name AVRN Talk. All right? So you do that, you can send me messages. All right, let's see here. Why don't we start right here? You know, U.S. farmers are about to really get a hard time coming their way. And, you know, on one level, I can say, yeah, you know what? They deserve it. They sold us all out. They grow crap. They won't even feed their own children, but they will shovel it down your throat, okay, for the money. But they won't eat it because they know what it is, okay? So I can say I'm not going to lose any sleep crying over the farmers. But... On the other hand, you know, they bought into something that was economically beneficial for them. And farming, you know, you can have this ideology that, oh, farming is a lifestyle and farming is this and farmers are that. It's a business, okay? It's a business. Yeah, I know. There's a farmer here and there that does it because I've always been a farmer and I'm a farmer. But mostly it's a business. And in business, when somebody comes and says, hey, I got a great line of crap for you. Boy, you're going to make a lot more money and this and that and the other thing. And, you know, at first it seemed that was true. They saved a lot of money firing all the farm workers who had to pull weeds and do other things. Now... Hey, they can just put GPS tracking on their on their tractors and uh, fire everybody uh, that worked there. You know, spray pesticides and herbicides and nobody has to pull weed or nothing. But you see, now GMO has shown its ugly head. They're starting to lose money. They're starting to have failures. Superweeds are coming in. The answer, oh, 
hey, I know, spray your fields with Agent Orange now. That'll do it. Yeah, more, 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 just like the antibiotic mess. Okay, this whole GMO thing is very similar to what happened with antibiotics. Okay, at first look, antibiotics seemed like a good thing. Saved a lot of lives. But then, bacteria started becoming immune to it. So what did they do? What was their answer? Not to pull back and find another way. No, 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 no. Get bigger, badder, stronger back uh, antibiotics. That was the answer. Yeah. Now what? Now we have bacteria that is resistant to all antibiotics and killing people. You go in a hospital, you've got a good chance of coming out dead from some staph infection. Yeah, yeah, staph infection used to be a hassle. Now it's a death sentence. Okay? Same things happen with the GMOs. Oh, gee, yeah, they're uh, they're bug-resistant. Well, not anymore. Oh, they're weed-resistant. Oh, not anymore. You've killed all the butterflies. But the other bugs, they've adapted. The weeds, they've adapted too. So what's the solution by Monsanto, your partner in farming? Agent Orange. Yes, because that worked really great before. Let's do that again. See, now you don't have to feed your kids the poison you're feeding the rest of the world. Now they can just go walk through the field and get cancer from all the crap you've poured on there. And, not to mention, polluted the water uh, supply for everybody. Yeah, thanks. But there's even something more, okay? Now, well, you know, and, and in all fairness, now farmers are put in a situation where they're in this revolving debt door that they really can't afford to do anything else because if they take the time to make a change, they'll probably miss a season. And if they miss a season, they will go bankrupt and out of business. And, of course, they got to feed their family. I mean, that's what we hear from everybody. It's not just the farmers. I mean, that's what we hear from everybody who's doing something wrong. Oh, cops are beating up innocent people because they got to feed their families. Soldiers are running through uh, the rest of the world shooting women and children because I'm just following orders and I got to feed my family. You know, look, I understand. You got to take care. Everybody's got to take care of their family. But you know what? Does that really mean you have to destroy everybody around you? To Is that really, in the long run, helping your family? Oh, teachers, I got to teach children not to read and how to get along and how to be communist because I got to feed my family. It's everybody's excuse. It went from I was just following orders to I got to feed my family. And I understand that, but you know what? Find another way. Oh, maybe Junior doesn't get to go to college I mean this is the thing oh well I gotta you know I gotta be able to make enough money to put away money so I can send Junior to college 
Oh, yeah? Junior can work on the farm and be a farmer just like his dad is, huh? Too bad if Junior doesn't like it. Then Junior can go live under a bridge. Folks, you know, this whole idea about sending your kids to college anyway, come on, look at it. Have you seen? Have you listened? Have you read much from these so-called college graduates? Have you seen any of these interviews of college campuses? Give me a break. Uh, To put it kindly, these children are idiots. They are ignorant and arrogant all at the same time. They think they're educated and they know nothing. They know less than nothing because kids don't know much anyway. I didn't know much when I was a kid, but I wasn't arrogant about it. Oh, sure, I thought I knew everything, and I can do this, and I can do that. But I wasn't arrogant. See, thinking you can do what you want to do and go and do what you want to do and find out the hard way that, well, I guess I didn't know as much as I thought I knew, isn't necessarily arrogant. That's just growing up. But when you believe that you're so dang smart and you know so much that you're going to start demanding that everybody around you start doing what you want, You're a little bit arrogant, a little too arrogant. Okay? But regardless of what I think, regardless of, uh, you know, any of that, farmers have yet another problem. And the problem is information. The rest of the country, the people are waking up to the poison you've been growing. And they don't want it. So, guess what's happening? There is a big surge in organic imports and non-GMO imports. Because everything that's non-GMO isn't necessarily organic. All right? And things don't necessarily need to be organic. Yeah, it's probably better, but you know what? As long as it's not genetically modified, as long as, you know what, you spray plants with pesticides, if I can wash them off, okay, great. But when you start embedding the pesticides inside the vegetables, well, there's a problem with that, and everybody's realizing that. U.S. farmers have been systematically pushed into growing mostly GMO crops, grown primarily for fuel, animal feed, and cheap processed foods. Russia even used our food supply as an example for the EU to dump the United States and join them instead. U.S. consumers are not only demanding fresh organic produce as well as non-GMO convenience foods, but also want meat, dairy, and eggs from animals that were fed non-GMO or organic feed. Other countries primarily grow non-GE crops and plenty of organic. They've got the goods, and they are reaping the benefits of trade. You know, so I don't believe, okay? I'm sorry, and if you feel that I'm calling you a liar, then, then you can feel that way. But I do not believe 
any farmer who tells me, well, oh, I can't grow organic. There's no market for that. I don't believe you. You know, the corporate... The corporate... I, I, I can't think of anything other than curse words right now. But the corporations maybe you sell your crap to. Maybe they're not interested in organics. But find a new buyer. And yeah, it's more work. But you see, that's the part. Why did all this happen? Okay, why did all this happen? How did the farmer get pushed into GMOs? I'll tell you why. More money and less work. Most farmers walk around in suits and ties now. They're nothing but money managers. They talk to their bankers more than they talk to farm workers because they ain't got any farm workers. They got GPS, they got fancy tractors, they got lots of machinery, and it's none of it they own. It's all on loan from the bank. They wanted to make a lot of money and do no work. Sorry. But then again, hey, farmers aren't the only one in that crew. I mean, don't all of us? Wouldn't all of us like to do less work for more money rather than what's actually happening in the United States, which is everybody is having to work longer for less? Wouldn't everybody jump at the chance to work shorter hours for more money? Of course you would. And the farmers are no different. So while I can be critical of them, I understand that they're not any different than anybody else. They haven't done anything anybody else wouldn't have done. It's just they were offered the opportunity and never looked far enough down the pike to see that, oh, wait a minute, I'm destroying this country. This is ridiculous, as the U.S. could not only use a valuable export, couldn't you? but could honestly use the support of in-house product, too. Yet again, we find ourselves outsourcing for staples. Shouldn't our own farmers be benefiting from this rise in demand coming from their own country? Yet again, farmers have been tricked and kicked by the very companies with which they sign agreements. U.S. consumers are coming into awareness about how their food affects their health and want superior products, which sadly aren't always available here yet. An analysis of U.S. trade data released Wednesday by the Organic Trade Association and Pennsylvania State University shows a spike in corn from Romania and soybeans from India. The chief executive officer of OTA is promoting farm... uh, prompting farmers that the market is open for converts. She called it a a help-wanted sign for farmers and said there are market distortions that are very striking. Bloomberg reports that bulk of imports are, are to feed U.S. cattle and poultry. As a result, imports to the U.S. of Romanian corn rose to 11.6 million in 2014 and uh, from from 545,000 just the year before. Are you getting that? Half a million dollars and then the very next year it jumps to 11.6 million dollars. That's a little jump. Soybean imports from India more than doubled to 73.8 million. You know why? 
We don't want your genetically modified crap anymore. Sales of food certified by the U.S. as free of synthetic chemicals or genetic engineering reached $35.9 billion in 2014, an 11% increase over 2013, and about 5.1% of U.S. grocery spending. The organic sector's average annual growth of about 10% is triple that of overall food sales, according to the U.S. Department of Agriculture and Trade Association. So where... How can you not make a profit, guys? Huh? Hello? How can you not make a profit? You want to keep selling cheap GM corn to what? The ethanol plant? You know, because that's really all it's good for. Hey, I really don't mind if they put genetically modified corn in my gas tank. The four years of records show rapidly growing trade relationships. In 2014, U.S. organic exports exports were $553 million, almost quadruple the 2011 total. Imports last year were $1.28 billion, led by $332.5 million in organic coffee. Supply farms are forced to seek foreign sources with the rapid demand spikes as 90% of U.S. corn and soy are genetically engineered. A definite no-go for organically raised animals, animal byproducts, and produce. Some organic feed companies have recently seen sales quadruple and sought supplies from Canada. An an interesting turn of events since yesterday's Bloomberg report, Tom Vizak, U.S. Secretary of Agriculture, announced that the government would offer support to boost the U.S. production of organic. What's the problem, farmers? Come on! While expressing an interest to help small family farms and boost the rural economy, you know, I wouldn't believe a word the U.S. government has to say about this. Who cares what they say? The marketplace is making the rules here. People don't want GMO crap. They want at least non-GMO, and a lot of people want organic. And it's growing. Big time. I mean, look, from half a million dollars to over $11 million in one year, uh, I'd say that's significant. There's been a significant expansion and interest in organics. Both the number of producers expanding and the sales expanding are an indication that this is a fast-growing aspect of agriculture. Yes, but you know what? Don't worry. Monsanto is running the halls of Congress, spreading around money to the scumbags there, and they're going to do the best they can to protect their benefactors. The corporations. Folks, look, and you wonder why. I mean, the House of Representatives are compromised. As long as you have a piece of garbage like John Bonehead in there running the place, uh, you're never going to get anywhere. But they aren't as far gone as the Senate. Because the Senate, foundationally, now listen to me. This isn't just a matter of corruption. Foundationally, because remember, 
Nature abhors a vacuum. It will always be filled with something. So we have the House of Representatives elected popularly in their districts to represent so-called the people in Congress. All right, good. And then the Senate, they were originally to represent the state governments that make up the Union. But the 17th Amendment came along and said, no, no. Now the people get to popularly elect the senators to represent the uh, the people. Yeah, yeah, wait, wait a minute. We've already got the House of Representatives representing the people. So here's the Senate elected by the people, but they don't really represent anybody. So who jumps in? Guess who? That's right. The corporations jump in. And that is exactly who the Senate of the United States represents. And why would the corporations want this? Because the Senate ratifies treaties, and treaties deal with commerce. And multinational corporations are into commerce. Folks, this has been a big, long setup. You want to throw monkey wrenches into their works? Start a movement out there to repeal the 17th Amendment and get the state legislatures back electing the senators. Oh, sure, this isn't a guarantee that they're going to be any less corrupt, but uh, it's going to make it a lot more difficult and a lot more costly for the corporations because the corporations will then have to go and instead of just doing you know, campaign commercials on TV, they're going to have to go into the state legislature and buy 51% of every state legislature, well, 51% of 51% of the states of the union's legislatures. That could get spendy. Okay? Anyway... This is kind of peculiar announcement, considering Vilsack's past infatuation and staunch defense of biotech. I don't buy those intentions at all, not with Agenda 21 tactics, a crumbling food system and economy, corporations that drain and frack the daylights out of drought-stricken aquifers, states that only vote yes to label GMOs in the far-off future, and the dark act looming in Congress. Those things tell me to be vigilant and not to get too excited, okay? You know, the bottom line is we can keep up that consumer demand because right now it cannot be ignored. On the other hand, don't forget to reach out to farmers, but also demand ways for them to make a living using better methods. There isn't incentive to do so currently. In fact, quite the opposite. Let's not let them fall behind the market curve. Maybe we could bring this news to farm aid's attention so they can focus on helping their family farmers who wish to convert but without losing the farm. Unfortunately, there are stifling obstacles that stand in the way of simply switching to an organic farm. More so if the Dark Act passes through Congress. Hint, it punishes non-GMO farmers with fines and makes them produce labels. For one thing, it's not about simply switching seeds, and the farmer are, in a sense, punished if they, they use natural methods. 
As one recent study pointed out, it would be economically better to use nature's free services and organic methods, but only if we were allowed to be economically feasible. You see, folks, the biotech corporations have bought off your Congress, and your Congress has made rules to make it, you know, yeah, okay, if you were going to start a farm tomorrow, you could, you would be much more profitable to go do it organically. However, if you have a GMO farm already, you've got a problem because you have poison land. Okay? So, uh, <laughs> you'll never get certified organic, well, not in a long time anyway. But hey, like was stated before, not everything has to be organic. It can just be non-GMO. Okay? You know... Okay, but anyway, we'll take a break. We'll be back in a bit. Farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead. 
meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU-band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for one four. $49.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. I'm in, I can't sing, I ain't pretty, and my legs are thin. 
But don't ask me what I think of you I might not give the answer that you want me to Understand it, so stick by me, I'll be your guiding hand. But don't ask me what I think of you, I might not give the answer that you want me to. back. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Steffen. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It's still the 24th of April, 2015. It's Friday. It's about 2.43 out here on the Pacific Time Coast. If that's all true where you're at, we are, in fact, live. And uh, you can call in 855-566-3738, or you can go to the chat room at theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com. Or if you have Yahoo Instant Messenger, AVRN. Talk is the screen name. Okay, the room was guessing uh, bands, and they got them both right. Stevie Ray Vaughan, Life by the Drop, and an old Peter Green Fleetwood Mac song. Oh, well, this time it was covered by Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, and they got it. So there you have it. All right, let's uh, get back to it here. Well, I was just going on about, uh, you know... Farming in the United States, GMOs and uh, such, and how really the buying public is waking up to the fact that they don't want GMOs. All right, they want non-GMOs, and a lot of a lot more people want organic. 
You know, myself, I, I mean, yeah, okay, organic's fine, but I realize if you're going to be organic, that's, that is going to be a little more cost to produce, so it will be reflected in the price. But just good farming practices from the past, I'm, I'm okay with that. You know, I mean, yeah, if you have to use something to spray on it that I can wash off when I get it, okay, I can deal with that. It might not be the best, but I have to I have to weigh costs like everybody else does. So I can I could deal with that. All right? And that will not be any more expensive unless of course you have the corporate United States government punishing people for doing the right thing. And this is not beyond them. All right? Now, that, some people out there that are unaware or maybe first-time listener might say, oh, my gosh, what are you kidding me? The federal government would punish a farmer for doing the right thing and practicing good farming practices. You know, yes, they would. And, um, you know, there's somebody in the chat room who, you know, knows about this. And uh, as I suspected, what I'm gathering from everything he's saying is really the main problem. And I know this is going to be a shock, but it's the banks. The banks are, they've got the farmers over the barrel. They've got them on a revolving credit scheme that they can never get out of. Okay? It goes like this. So you go out and you get a loan for all your seed and all your fuel and all your stuff and all whatever so you can plan all your things. So you do, and then you got your crop, you go and sell it all. Okay? You go pay your loan, but you know what? The money you made is just enough for your family to live. Whatever means you're living at, you know, whether you're sending your kids to college and driving a Cadillac or whether you're driving an old truck and your kids ain't going to college, whatever it is, you got just enough to support your family and pay back the loan. But now... Hey, it's another year. you got to go get another loan. You don't have any operating capital to go out and just out of your own pocket say, Hey, you know what, banker boy? Screw you. I'm going to go get me some regular non-GMO seeds. I'm plowing up these fields, and I'm going to start doing things the right way. You don't have any money for that. They've got you on the string, man. And that's what the bankers have done to the farmers. But then again, hey, got a credit card? We're all on the same string with them. Other than a credit card is an unsecured debt, but that's a whole other story to get into on another day. But we've got other problems, so let's get to some of that. Yeah, somebody in the chat room is, is shocked. Shocked, I tell you. The banks? No, it can be the banks. Anyway. If you are a Bible-believing Christian, there is no place for you in Barack Obama's version of the United States military. Christian service members all over the nation are being disciplined for reading their Bibles, talking about their faith publicly, and encouraging others to live a moral lifestyle. Wow. 
being punished for encouraging people to live a moral lifestyle. And not just people. People with automatic weapons. You know, I prefer, if I'm going to have people with automatic weapons walking around, that they have some sort of morality. Because if they don't, they may wake up on the wrong side of the bed and just decide to kill everybody because they feel like it. And that'll be okay because they don't have any morals. And just saying the name of Jesus at the wrong place or the wrong time while serving in the military is enough to spark a national controversy. We live in a time when political correctness in America is widely out of, wildly out of control. And thanks to Obama, the U.S. military has become one of the most politically correct institutions in our society. Well, yes, we can blame Barack Obama. But George Bush and Bill Clinton didn't do the military any good at the, on that level either. Okay? Things have gotten so bad that dozens of top officers that did not agree with Obama's views have been forced out of the military in recent years. The U.S. military is being transformed into an over, overtly anti-Christian institution. And for those of us that are Christians, that is a very chilling development. Well, folks, you know, I mean, you wondered, well, that could never happen in America, where Christians would be persecuted and killed. Oh, but it can. Perhaps you think there is no way things could have gotten this bad. The article goes on. Well, I grew up as a military kid. In those days, the U.S. military was actually quite welcoming to Christians. But now things have completely and totally changed. For example, just the other day, the Washington Times reported that large numbers of Christians are either leaving the military or never joining in the first place because of the hostile work environment that currently exists. This is what it said. Christians are leaving the U.S. military or are being discouraged from joining in the first place because of a hostile work environment. That doesn't let them express their beliefs openly, religious freedom advocates say. Michael Barrick, senior counsel at the Liberty Institute, a Texas-based legal organization dedicated to defending religious liberty in America, said recent high-profile cases of military chaplains facing punishment for private counseling sessions that reflected the teachings of their religion could cause about Americans who are qualified for military service to think twice about joining the military. Could this be what Barack Obama wants? Oh, you bet your ass it is. Could it be possibly that he actually wants to discourage young Bible-believing Christians from serving in our military? Well, according to the Times, that's exactly what's happening. People of faith are going to stay away from the military, said Mr. Barry in an interview with the Washington Times. I can't tell you how many moms and dads I've spoken to say my son or daughter wants to join the military, but in light of what you've described, I'm not sure I want to let them join the military anymore, and I don't blame them. I would have serious reservations about my own kids joining. You know what, folks? Uh, hello? I mean, yeah, this is an issue, all right? It's a big issue. But whether they're friendly to Christians or not, if you're a parent, 
Gee, I don't know. Uh, gosh, the meat grinder isn't very uh, friendly to my faith, so I don't think I'll throw my kid into the meat grinder. But boy, if the meat grinder had a nice little smiley Christian face on it, maybe I'd toss my child into the meat grinder. Because whether the U.S. military is nice to Christians or mean to Christians or whatever, it is nothing more than a meat grinder. Okay? And if you let your children go into it, that's what you're doing. You're throwing them into a meat grinder. I don't care if they're friendly to Christians or not. Look what they're doing. They're running around the world killing women and children for no reason whatsoever, except that the places they're doing it to aren't a member of the IMF banking system. We got to stop that. And that's really what it's about, folks. Look it up. Every place we've attacked was not an affiliated member of the IMF. They were not dependent on the world fiat currency system. Oh, we can't have that now, can we? So while this is a very important and telling issue, it's a lot less telling about letting your children join the meat grinder. Okay? Why don't you just buy some farm equipment, throw them in a wood chipper or something, huh? Save them the trouble of being poisoned, losing a few limbs, you know. Or doing some things that they're really, really going to regret for the rest of their lives and walk around a basket case because they can't live with themselves. Even the slightest slip-up can cause the authorities to crack down on you. Just consider the following two examples, which come from Newsmax. In December, a chaplain for a Ranger Training Battalion was sent an administrative letter of concern after a soldier complained that he had promoted Christianity and used a Bible during a mandatory suicide prevention training session. Last month, a Navy chaplain was removed from his job and may lose his career after complaints about his private counseling during which he discouraged homosexuality and sex outside of marriage. Wow! You mean a Christian chaplain actually used a Bible and promoted Christianity? Gee, in the old days, doing those things was the very essence of what being a chaplain was all about. And, and by the way, if you're not allowed to use the Bible, what exactly is a chaplain anymore? How in the world are you supposed to be a chaplain without using the Bible? It doesn't make any sense. Like I said, the U.S. military is becoming an overtly anti-Christian institution, and it starts at the very top. Since he has been in the White House, Barack Obama has consistently slammed Bible-believing Christians. Obviously, he considers them to be among his chief political enemies. And you know what? As a Bible-believing Christian, I can, I can tell you right now, he's right. I am his enemy, and he is most certainly my enemy. Since he has been in the White House... Oh, anyway... Uh, 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 and he barely tries to hide his anima animosity towards them. Hey, here's an example. Consider what Obama, who is on record saying, we are no longer a Christian nation, and who never notes the Islamic identity of murderers or the Christian identity of 
the Christian identity of their victims, and who ignored a recent UN session on Christian persecution, had to say about Christians at the Easter prayer breakfast, On Easter, I do reflect on the fact that, as a Christian, I am supposed to love, and I have to say that sometimes, when I listen to less-than-loving expressions by Christians, I get concerned. Oh, really? One of the key people that Obama administration has brought in to advise the Pentagon on matters of faith and the military is a man named Mikey Weinstein. Yeah, Weinstein is the head of the Military Religious Freedom Foundation, and to say that he hates evangelical Christians is a huge understatement. The following comes from one of my previous articles. The MRFF is a very insidious organization. It is headed up by a man named Mikey Weinstein. He's, he has called Christians, quote, human monsters, and, quote, Enemies of the United States Constitution. Weinstein is convinced that sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ while in the military is, quote, sedition and treason and should be punished as such. You hearing this? And Obama has brought him in to advise the Pentagon. With guys like that telling the Pentagon how to treat Christians, no wonder things have gotten so bad. Obama is fundamentally transforming the military, and those that aren't willing to go along with are being forced out. But don't just take my word for it. In a previous article, I included these amazing quotes from retired, high-ranking officers. Retired Army Major General Paul Vallelay. Quote, the White House protects their own. That's why they stalled an investigation into Fast and Furious, Benghazi, and Obamacare. He's intentionally weakening and gutting our military, Pentagon, and reducing us as a superpower. And anyone in the ranks who disagrees or speaks out is being purged. Retired Army General Patrick Brady. There is no doubt he, Obama, is intent on emasculating the military and will fire anyone who disagrees with him. Retired Army Lieutenant General William G. Jerry Boykin. Over the, last, over the past three years, it is unprecedented for the number of four-star generals to be relieved of duty and not necessarily relieved for cause. Retired Navy Chaplain Joseph John. I believe there are more than 137 officers who have been forced out or given bad evaluation reports so they will never make flag officer because of their failure to comply with certain views. Starting to get the picture? You starting to get the picture? Uh, and I wonder why. Let me help you. Because all the polls they ever took before this started, American soldiers said, no, I will not shoot American citizens, even if I'm ordered to. Uh, we got to get rid of those people. We got to get some Satanistic homosexuals in there that will shoot anybody because they're hateful, vile creatures. That's what's going on, folks. That's the truth of the matter. This is the world you live in. You know, now, you know, you can be scared and go in the corner and cry or whatever, you know, or, hey, Throw on the sunglasses, ignore it, and pretend it ain't happening. Like most Americans are. But the fact is, it is happening, and it is going to affect you. And there's going to come a time when you're not going to be able to ignore it. So you better get a plan going in your head about what you're going to do about it. 
or you will wish you had died. Because there are worse things than dying, folks. Anyway, have a happy weekend, and I'll see you Monday. The show will be replayed at 8 p.m. tonight. So, got good stuff coming up. As always, thanks for listening.
the terrible psychopathic global elite and their nefarious plans. It's like some sort of a movie that people believe they're watching or something. They haven't seemed to have realized that they are actually participating in this movie and that we have had every opportunity to rewrite the script ourselves if we would only choose to participate, stand up, be counted, and get involved in the global situation. The problem, of course, has been that people have been trained to believe that they are simply little people who can't affect change, and they've been kind of trained to leave the workings of the system to the bigger people at the top who know what's going on, leave things in their hands, and they will work stuff out for you. But the reality is, folks, that there is a war going on, and it's been going on for a very long time. As I mentioned in my very first film, The Big Picture, in 2008, World War III has already started. And what World War III is, is a war that is being waged against the common people of the world by the global elite, those who control the financial systems and who control our governments. They have been carrying out a slow genocide against the people of all the countries of this earth for quite some time now. They're doing it not only with the wars that they're conducting in the Middle East and places like Ukraine, but there is a soft kill operation going on in all countries through food additives, fluoride, aerial spraying and vaccination programs. And because people are beginning to wake up to the control grid, now they are locking the control grid down and they're doing it in a very, very efficient way and it fascinates me that people are simply standing by and watching all this happen around them and they're constantly commenting on it but nobody is really doing anything about it nobody's really rallying their communities nobody seems to be asking the right questions to the politicians nobody appears to be taking any type of positive action to circumvent the actions of these people and that's a very concerning situation because they are really rolling things out this year, folks. And you've just got to look at the global situation and start connecting the dots. And the future that these people are attempting to create becomes very, very apparent. And I'd like to connect a few of those dots for you today, actually. And I don't want to be fear-mongering with any of this, but I think it's important to pay attention to some of the key issues that are happening around us in our communities at the moment. And when looking at these issues, not to just view them as local issues, but to put them on a global stage and see where they fit in with everything else. And we know what the plans of these people are. We've been talking about it for years. So let's just step back and look at what's unfolding before us, shall we? And folks, when looking at these issues, it's important to understand the mentality of these people, to understand the mentality of the global elite, and to look at what your motivations are and what you do in addressing the situation as well. I mean, I can't stress this enough. It's important to understand who we're dealing with. And it's very important for people to maintain their focus on their own inner state, you know, the, the motivation in their actions, you know, what their intentions are in what they're doing, why they are speaking out against this system and look in looking at the global elite a lot of people have said to me look you've just got to send love to these people and we need to heal these people and and help them see the world from a more humane or human perspective and sure look i can understand that mentality i can understand that line of thought and when i talk about these people and i speak out against these people i don't do it out of hatred for them i love them the way i love all living creatures but 
I'm not going to bother trying to send these people positive energy because they're simply not susceptible to it and I'm never going to change their mind. I'm never going to change their way of thinking because I can understand what they are and who they are. And like I said, folks, I don't do anything I do out of hatred. I do it because of my positive intention for the future of mankind. I do what I do out of love for all mankind and my disgust at the actions of these people. Well, not even disgust. I don't know if that's even the right word. Really, it's my absolute horror at what I see being perpetrated against the innocent souls on this planet. That's why I do what I do. I do what I do because I can see a better future if mankind would simply step back and take... 